0: Atomic gigantic occasion was a sweeping Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude. A common of the greatest kicker of Japan and of all men. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my lovely co-host and editor. Hello, I am Rex. And we are back at it again for the fourth and final episode of this October. Happy, uh, happy Halloween. I hope everybody's enjoyed oh, yeah. the spooky season. It should be around Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it'll be Halloween and uh, everybody will be spooping and scaring and tricking and treating and uh, yeah, it'll be yeah. great. We aren't though, not yet at least. Not as well, uh, this recording. Typically, I don't do anything, but this year I I hopefully I uh, will. My goal is to watch a horror movie a day, preferably J horror because I have plenty. Um, we'll see if that actually happens. I don't know if it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know for a certain, at
0: the very least, uh, at least a couple horror movies will be, will be being watched. <laughs> On your end? Yes, of course. I mean, I'm starting off
1: a month tomorrow with, uh, Saw 10. So that'll be interesting to see. Well, I do know, uh, I will be going to see, uh, Cairo also known as Pulse, in theaters. Um, And then (laughs) I guess I'll admit this. I don't know if I should be ashamed or not, but I will be going and seeing the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. I feel like
0: everyone will be. It'll
1: just sell a billion tickets. I feel like I say that and I'm criticized. But I also feel like there's plenty of other people that, like, are going to go watch it.
0: Oh, make no mistake, I fully believe that film will be very successful. It better be. Like, we've been waiting almost ten years for it. (laughs) Like, I fully anticipate
1: very good box office for that film. Honestly, I'll be a little sad if it doesn't do well, because, like, Scott tried so hard to, like, the reason it took so long... Was he was trying to find the perfect uh the script, the perfect script, the perfect story, and then they like went through a ton of directors, and I think at one point, Blumhouse wasn't even attached, and then they ended up getting attached, and they brought in the Henson, Jim Henson company and all that. so like they I mean, I feel like this is like the perfect like this shows that if you're patient enough, things will come your way
0: right (laughs) but we'll have to wait and see i suppose for the box office performance
1: yeah hopefully it does well by the next recording that you guys hear uh we'll we'll know if it's doing well or not we'll probably talk about it a little bit we'll see yeah uh we'll we'll be talking a little bit about that we'll probably talk about our thoughts and feelings and uh I mean, we'll talk about probably, I mean, by the next recording, we'll probably be talking a lot about the J-Horror that we're watching and all that good stuff. So there's oh, a, ton of, a ton of things to look forward to. So just stay tuned for that.
2: Hmm.
0: <laughs> well, so speaking of J-Horror, have, have you been watching any Tokusatsu
1: recently? <sighs> well, okay. I've watched some Toku. I have, but not a lot. Um, as this I, disappointing. I know it is. Um, I've been working. I just finished the screenplay. Uh, earlier this week on a project that I'm working on. Nice. Um, that hopefully by the time this is recorded, I will be in the editing bay with trying to get it Ooh. wrapped up and done and and sent off to the to the company. So I've been I've been working on that. And then I was also, uh, I had to do some filming for a YouTube video. I did some script writing, some editing for some YouTube stuff. Um, So I've been a little busy and then just, you know, I've been working and uh, I started learning Japanese. Yes. Uh, You and I have been spending at least an hour a night um, sitting on the phone Working. I feel like it's been a bit more than an hour. Especially on average. Three. It's probably about an average of an hour. I'd say an average of about two hours. Maybe. So, I mean, that's... I don't know how that's going to work after... Uh, at, well, I guess we'll just have to push off learning Japanese in October that way. Like, on the days that I work, I can come home, fit in a J-horror movie, and then, like... Learn Japanese for a little bit, but, uh, that's been taking up a lot of my time, which is why I haven't been watching stuff. I work five days a week at my actual typical job. Um, and three out of those five days I close. So that means I'm in the building until about 1130 midnight. And then it's usually come home, get ready for bed, sit, call you work on Japanese Get bored, like not get bored, but get tired and then call it a night and then go to bed. Um, so I'm working on it between script writing, editing, and filming and learning Japanese and actually working and trying to watch movies and, you know, research and do stuff for a podcast. I gotta get my life a little balanced out. So (laughs) we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, uh, we'll make it work. But, uh, no, I've, uh, as of actually this recording I finished hiragana 101 um and I've been learning some uh other some just Japanese how to pronounce some stuff and uh how to say a few things and uh it's been good it's been I'm
0: good. fortunate enough to have some prior experience so I'm a little bit further along you
1: could say just just <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah. If you were if you were on Duolingo, you would probably be on like 47 unit 47. I've not used Duolingo in a long time. <laughs> That's what I've been using, so this whole week I've been doing hiragana. They've been really trying to push hiragana and I just started katakana. So we'll see how that goes. Right. But, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I've been, I've been working on stuff. I've been, uh, getting some stuff done. Hopefully, hopefully, um, next week, I mean, next week starts the, you know, watching of horror movies every, every day. So next week, I got to figure out when to, like, uh, be editing, when to be filming, when to be learning Japanese, when to be, you know, writing. Um, all that good stuff. So mm. I'll uh it I'll have to figure it out quicker than than I already am. But I have wa- I did watch a Tokusatsu movie. I watched uh Watari Watari The Conqueror. Okay. Um it's a nineteen sixty eight compilation movie um from a Hong Kong studio. They dubbed it, they edited it. It is a compilation movie from the TV show uh, akage or red shadow which was a toei television show from the mid-60s that i've watched earlier this year i watched a ninja scope uh, the magical world of ninjas which was the first of three compilation movies that this company did they did that one and then they did watari the conqueror and they did another one called watari and the fantastiques they're like two and a half hours long, and they're kind of not great. <laughs> um, it's obvious they're like compilations because the story is very weird to follow. Mm-hmm. But I've been I've been watching them. I've finally watched Watari the Conqueror, and I'm trying to watch Watari and the Fantastics, but I've fallen asleep or I've just gotten so busy doing like podcast stuff and filming and whatnot that I just haven't I haven't had time to finish it. What's funny is Watari the Conqueror doesn't have any kaiju action in it. Ninja Scope does, and so does Watari and the Fantastiques. Mm-hmm. But I'm struggling to get Watari and the Fantastiques done, even though that one does have a kaiju in it. So i i need to finish it it's it's some of toei's earliest kaiju uh action like they had uh they had the magical the magic serpent in 1966 right after that they did a kage or red shadow which had some kaiju in it and then i think as soon as red shadow wrapped they did uh the Soul prince I think so, Dinosaur Prince, I think was right after this. Uh, Yonguri, Monster from the Deep, was also in that time. And then as soon as those were done, they did uh, Johnny Sacco and his giant robot. Right. Which I think after that, I mean, there was the Voyage into Space compilation movie in the States in 1969. But I don't think Toei did any other kaiju stuff after that period. (laughs) So... It's uh, you know, it's I I have somewhere like a list of all the 1960s kaiju movies, and I'm pretty sure I have it fairly updated. Mm-hmm. So,
0: well, anyway, so
1: Watari mean, was the only thing you
0: watched, did you say? Oh, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's all I that's all I had time wow. to watch. That failing, honestly. Well, what did you watch, Rex? So,
0: actually, I got to see, on the big screen itself, Kinji Fukusaku's 1968 Tokusatsu film, The Green Slime.
1: With the bopper of an opening? Yeah.
2: Green slime! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and honestly...
0: Kinda of enjoyed it. Had a good time with it, all things considered. I did not know going into it that it was written by the creator of Batman <laughs> of all people. Um and yeah, it was a legitimately kind of a nice surprise. It felt very even though it's kind of like an MGM Toei co-production. Mm-hmm. It felt more, it, it felt kind of like a
1: Toho film in all honesty. Okay. I, I could, I could definitely see why you would feel that way. I mean, it's I feel a like the bit.
0: first act, especially really feels like something from say like Mysterians or Gorath.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: mean, mm-hmm. some
0: of the miniature effects they're done by, I noticed that Akira Watanabe's name came up in the credits for some of the special effects. And I'm like, yep that makes sense that explains why these look like they're straight out of mysterians and astra monster
1: right right and out of if i remember correctly out of the because warner is somehow the warner was attached to green slime as well um at least now they are because that's you can get it through the warner archive right um Out of the three that are available, I think Green Slime is the truest tokusatsu out of uh, the Green Slime, Last Dinosaur, and uh, the Bermuda Depths, I think. I haven't
0: seen Bermuda Depths, but I guess so, yeah. Um,
1: And then you have the Ivory Ape, of course. Um, Oh, yeah. Haven't seen that one either. But those those three, Bermuda Depths, Last Dinosaur, and Ivory Ape, were... uh, were Subaraya co productions with Rankin Bass. Right. Um, whereas Green Slime was Toei.
0: Toei MGM. Yeah. 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 It, also, it features a mostly English class, uh, class, cast, but uh, one of the actors I noticed was Mr. Robert
1: Dunham himself. Robert Dunham, Peggy Neal makes a cameo.
0: Oh yeah, for some reason before the movie they played a trailer for Godzilla vs Hetera and house. I don't Maybe know. Maybe just because it's that. cool? I don't know why they did it, but it was very cool. Even though the Hetera trailer was in like two forty P. Clearly so it YouTube awful rip. on the big screen. Yes, yes, very obviously. It looked awful on the big screen, uh but you know Unexpected Godzilla on the big screen is still a plus.
1: This is true. I right. Would and, help uh, see
0: Hedera on the big screen.
1: I've seen Hedera on this big screen. Actually as, of, actually, as of as of this recording, you. I'm, uh, I'm about to, well, whenever this comes live, I'm uh, gonna go see, uh, Godzilla 2000 in theaters. So that'll be my first, that'll be my third of the Millennium era. So I'm just missing, uh, Mega Gear, GMK, and Final Wars. And then I will have seen all of Millennium. Uh when it comes to Showa, all I'm missing is raids again King Kong versus Godzilla, Mothra versus Godzilla, Son of Godzilla, all monsters attack, Godzilla versus Gigant, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So I'm only missing 7 of the 15 and then I haven't seen a single Heisei film in theaters. Damn. Now Rex, I was wanting to know what can it be? What is the reason? Is this the end of all that breathes? And is it something in your head? Will you believe it when you're dead? Green slime! Oh,
0: Jesus. (laughs) I will give credit where credit is due. It is a pretty banging opening. Uh, It is a pretty banging theme song.
1: And thank you for acknowledging that that's Kenji Fukusaku. Like I don't think a lot of people... I mean, people will bring it up. But people also don't realize that he did that.
0: Right. Oh the guy hosting the screening of it specifically made sure to highlight this is the guy that made Battle
1: Royale. (laughs) Right. Well, it's from nineteen sixty eight, so like everybody's shocked that like he was producing films. Like I I think what it is is people are shocked that Kenji Fukusaki was as old as he was when he made Battle
0: Royale right i mean yeah he had a long career because i mean green slime is one of his first films but he was he did a fair or at least one of his i think this is his first like available film in the west but like he'd been working since like at least the early 60s at least
1: right right and i mean in the 80s was when he really blew up with all of his samurai titles, and, like, virus and whatnot.
0: Right, yeah. All his Sonny Chiba films.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, so, like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, he was mostly unknown until the 80s, and then he was popular in the 80s, he went back into, like, obscurity in the 90s, and then Battle Royale came out, and he became hot stuff again, and then he died. Yeah. But, I mean... Battle Royale is probably his best-known work so like the fact oh, that yeah. that was his that was his last film that he fully directed? Yeah. Like there that's a very that one good scene in Battle Royale too with Beat Takeshi. <laughs> right. But like honestly if if you're going to go out like that's that's like if, you know, Spielberg didn't make another movie after like Jaws mm-hmm. or like Saving Private Ryan or the color, Pro- like one of his big ones, right? <laughs> like, do you, I mean, honestly, I don't think a filmmaker can. I feel ask like I more. feel like
0: the be- I feel like a better comparison. Well, with that would either be like, I Jaws or Jurassic Park. I feel because those are probably his two biggest films. I'd argue,
1: but see, Jaws would be that would be too early in his career. Right. So probably Jurassic Park then. I'd say maybe maybe Jurassic
0: Park. Which speaking of which I actually saw that on the Fit as the very ne in as the very next day. Did you enjoy that? Absolutely. I was I was kind of in tears for like half a movie. <laughs> I love that. Like it it was it was a spectacle that might actually be one of, if not the most magical movie
1: ever made. It's 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 a it's an experience. It's like it, a it landmark. Is. It is specifically honestly, it is. Specifically, when John Williams' score first comes on, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, the score as well as the sound
0: design is absolutely incredible in that film. I like on on John Williams' score. I think it's a testament to how how incredible the music in Jurassic Park is. That after the film had ended the vast majority of the audience at my screening stayed for the, for at least the main theme.
1: Right. Well, that's one of those rare occurrences. Well, rare. I mean, for John Williams, it's not rare because like it's every (laughs) single one he's ever done, but like that rare occurrence of like the theme almost outlives the movie.
0: Right. I mean, Jaws certainly is another great example of that where, the theme for jaws is arguably just as iconic if not more so than the movie itself
1: right or star wars or uh indian right. jones which there's one common thing with all of these <laughs> <laughs> um but no even like uh like honestly i i think avengers Alan Silvestri. I mean, Back to the Future and uh, Avengers, I think are some of Silvestri's most iconic work.
0: Right. I'm I'm more of a fan of Silvestri's uh, Predator score, but
1: his his Avenger stuff is pretty good. I mean, I will forever believe Portals was where he finally found the perfect sound for that theme song, but Yeah. We're not here to talk about soundtracks, are we? <laughs> no. So what? What other Tokusatsu did you uh, enjoy?
0: Well, I've been keeping up with Kamen Rider Gotcha. I need to get back. I need to get back and catch up on Blazer again. Outside of that, nothing else that I can remember.
1: Oh, but I'm doing well, better than you this week. This is true. Last week we were both like we watched hardly anything. But okay, so what? I mean we got to we got to give the listeners something. Hmm. Well, we are covering zombie films this month. Right, which, you know, on the topic of zombie movies. Oh. So, I I mentioned, I think I mentioned this last recording, but I have like went and made like a whole list of Japanese zombie movies. Did I bring this up last time? I don't remember. Okay. I don't either, but, uh, I have like went and I like researched, I like went through multiple lists and, and multiple like articles and websites and, uh, some simple like searching. And I, I talked to a fellow zombie, a Japanese zombie enthusiast to my surprise, Mr. Kevin Derendorf, who uh, helped me on my list, and I, like, have done a whole, like, deep dive into this genre that I'm so fed up with at this point. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, that sounds like something you would do. Well, it's just... It's so interesting because zombies are a very Western idea. Mm -hmm. Right? Like zombies and vampires don't i mean frankenstein um even like the invisible man like none of those yeah, yeah, are I just really watched
0: that movie which one <laughs> the invisible man which one the original
1: oh sweet my my with first mo- yeah my first universal monster movie that you've ever seen ever yeah in full Have you not watched, like, Creature from the Black Lagoon or any of the Wolfman or Dracula or Frankenstein or Invisible Man? Sadly, not yet. Not yet, sadly. The Mole Man or the Mole People? No.
0: It's one of those things where, like, that whole series has been, like, those classic universal monsters. I've been wanting to watch them for ages, but I've never actually sat down to put any of them on.
1: This Island Um... Earth?
0: Wow! So I'm like, okay, I, I go. I want to watch a short movie because I spent too much time trying to figure out what movie I wanted to watch, and it ended up taking a lot of the time I had. Um, so I'm like, okay, InvisiblE Man. I'll go with that. That's 70 minutes. Great. And yeah, it was really good. I loved it.
1: <laughs> the Mummy.
0: I've seen the Brendan Fraser one.
1: I mean, I guess that, that does technically count. It's not the classics, but it is the... Uh... No. Like, I've seen the Invisible Man
0: remake. I've seen... This isn't quite Universal, but I've seen Nosferatu. Um, it's adjacent. It's
1: adjacent. I'll right. give you that.
0: But, yeah. No. I, it's, it's Universal Monsters uh, is something that I've neglected for far too long, I'd say.
1: Huh. Interesting. I mean, I I haven't watched. I've I think I've watched. I've watched all the creature movies. I've, I I want to say I've seen all the Frankenstein ones, and I've seen most, if not all, the Wolfman ones. I haven't watched any Dracula films though, mm-hmm. and I haven't watched any remake besides like the unofficial stuff, like the right. Monster Squad and stuff right. like that. <laughs> but okay, oh, I want to watch
0: Monster Squad. That looks like a fun movie.
1: It's very fun. It's by the same people that did the Predator.
0: Oh, nice. The suits look awesome in that movie, like the creature suit specifically.
1: Well, it, they were made by your favorites. Hmm. Was it... Who was it who did the ones in that film? Was it... Tom, Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis. Oh, Gillis? ADI did it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, Stan this was... Winston as well. Okay, so this was before... Was this before ADI. they made ADI? Okay. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. actually was the creature from the Black Lagoon.
0: uh, Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, oh yeah, this would have been before. This was when they were still with Stan Winston. That's right. Okay.
1: Okay. So, but no, uh like talking talking about the Universal monsters and, and and all that. Like, the idea of Western monsters is like so interesting to like think about it in terms of like being in Japan, right? Because, I mean, until you know the u.s occupation and like the influences from western culture japan wouldn't have under known any of that stuff i mean they didn't get night of the living dead or Fauci's zombie movies like that stuff didn't go over there really it was it kind of like they were neglected until like after the 80s like the late 80s early 90s was when that stuff started flowing in which uh I mean the there are a few minor instances in the in the mid to late 80s of of zombie movies and some people like argue Matango and the Living Skeleton which I highly I, disagree with. Yeah, I wouldn't I I get the whole
0: zombie like, but I wouldn't quite classify
1: them as zombies. Yes. There's there's certain things with zombies that kind of have to happen. Like, there's certain tropes, like, rising from the ground, you know, kind of walking with, like, gore, guts, blood, not really walking like normal humans, kind of slow, kind of brainless. Right.
2: Um,
0: like, I mean, I can see where you can kind of make the comparison with, like, the humanoid, like, the the more human-like Matango. But, like, the other ones, not really. <laughs> I, I wouldn't consider them zombies.
1: I'd consider them their own separate entity that's similar. right? And it's not even like, cause uh, there, you know, for the invisible man, there's an argument to be had for the secret of the Telesian, the H man and the human vapor. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the, the post-war nuclear allegory, like metaphors with that, but in the, in, terms of, like, Matongo, like, I never thought the mushroom killed the people. I never thought that that was the case. I thought the mushrooms made them go mad and slowly took over like a parasite. Yeah, yeah. They never actually turn into dead corpses walking. They just slowly become mushrooms because the mushroom grows on them and mutates them into just straight up mushrooms. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it it like a zombie has to be somebody who has died and came back right and matongo doesn't do that i don't I, the living skeleton's an awful movie i don't remember a lot from it but i don't recall that i mean i know there's like a living skeleton that looks awful but i don't think there's a actual walking corpse that's remotely like anything from like night of the living dead or or like Village of the Damned and whatnot. I don't I don't recall anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the first official, like, fully blown, like, this is meant to be a zombie movie um, that I can locate is Battle Girl, The Living Dead in Tokyo Bay from 1991. So that's, like, really late in the game, considering Night of the Living Dead was 68? Yeah, 68 or 67, Yeah. And from that point, like, there was some short films and, like, some straight-to-video stuff, but there, there is really nothing major in the 90s. Um, yeah, not even, was, like, like, the 70s
0: or 80s. Well, you, I think you've mentioned that there's, like, a little bit of, like, zombie-ish things in, like, the 80s, but, like, yeah. not... The earliest
1: no, occurrence... no, like,
0: dedicated zombie movies in the 80s.
1: Right. The earliest occurrence I could locate was brief sequences in Legend of the Stardust Brothers. Um Kevin Derendorf pointed out that which yeah, there's a brief moment where stuff like that happens, which makes sense because it's a very Hollywood esque like rock stars and, and making it big kind of movie. So yeah, that you know, that makes sense. And then there was a movie called uh Yujo Mellon. From 1987 which has some zombie moments in it and then like I said 1991 so it's an interesting genre like this you know there's not there's it, it was really late to the game and mm-hmm. a lot of zombie movies because so in Japan they don't really do burials like that they don't right. bury a corpse Um, and once somebody's dead like that's kind of like Forbidden to, like, mess with the souls of the dead. Mm-hmm. When you see stuff like that, it's usually in a spiritual form, not in a physical form that they come back. Like your Sadako's or your Kayakos or your uh, Tomie, I think?
0: I guess, yes. She does come back to life.
1: <laughs> a um, lot. Um, not, not so much, though, as, like, your typical, like, rising from the grave, m- mindless like flesh hungry monster Mm -hmm. um so like in in japanese culture zombies just don't really fit in so there has to be some like western influences but in more recent times what's interesting is uh zombie films are more comedic or exploitative um they kind of view it as a joke right um I mean, we kind of – that's kind of what happened with Stacy a little bit um, with being a little exploitative and a little bit of a comedic film. And then, like, Junk, like, that just kind of took ideas from other movies and literally just recreated it. Right. Um, One Cut of the Dead is a comedy. It, it's more of a comedy than than a full-blown horror movie. So, like – It's rare to find a a zombie movie that like took itself serious and kind of brought some new fresh, you know, ideas to the table, at least either in Japan or or in the world. Right. So it's kind of hard to find stuff like that. Mm. Well, do you remember, do you find, have you finally remembered what film we're covering today? Well, you, it sounded like you didn't have anything, so. I was just I was just talking about zombie movies. Well, um
0: on the topic of zombie movies, I did very recently revisit one of Kitamura's, one of Ryuhei Kitamura's films, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah. A little film from 2001, believe it or
1: not. Uh, does it ring a bell to you?
0: Anything that's whatsoever?
1: I don't remember. I don't remember a movie from two thousand and one. Didn't not not even a
0: movie that premiered
1: in two thousand.
0: Anything like that?
1: I know of a movie that that uh, came out in in two thousand. Yeah. Yeah, it had its premiere in two thousand, and then
0: full release on September eighth, two thousand one.
1: Never heard of it. Um, I do. I do recall a movie that re, you know premiered in, in October twenty ninth of two thousand. That uh, that is is a zombie movie directed by Ryuhei Kitamura. Uh mm. What what movie are you referring to? Do you remember your movie's name? My movie. Yeah, the movie you were talking about. Do you remember its name? Well, why don't you tell me what you're talking about, and we'll see if it's. Well, uh, I am talking about. Will you hear Kitamura's verses? Yes, yes, I do know what you're talking about. Oh, good. Did you watch it? You know, it's funny you bring this all up because. You didn't watch it. God damn it. I did, in fact, watch it. Oh, good. Yes. Because mm-hmm. that's today's episode. Oh, perfect. It all lined up. Mm hmm. So, you know, I just brought up how it was actually rare to find a, a zombie movie that was kind of fresh and kind of like reinventing or or just kind of new to the genre, right? But this is actually a good example of that. So, why don't we why don't we dive into where this film came from to kind of understand where its fresh take came? Okay.
0: Well, first I think we should introduce our audience to Ryu Kitamura himself. Right. Do you want to begin, or should I? Why don't you go ahead? Okay. So Ryu Hayakawa, for the unfamiliar, is a Japanese film director born in 1969. Probably most well known to Tokusatsu fans for his 2004 film Godzilla: Final Wars, but has also directed various other tokusatsu films, such as Alive, Azumi. He's adapted the works of Clive Barker in The Midnight, uh, the Midnight Meat Train. He's done a live-action Loop in the Third and various other films. So, yeah, born in 1969, he, was, gr- he basically grew up with films. Films were essentially his life <laughs> for all intents and purposes um specifically specifically being attracted to action horror and sci-fi films uh one of the biggest influences of his life uh, in film was Mad Max 2 from George Miller leading to him moving to Sydney Australia at age 17 and enrolling in film school there just stitching just dropping out of high school near the end of the year and being like Hey, teacher, I'm going to film school. Bye. <laughs> and yeah, he, he was in film school for a year. He graduated with a, short, with a short film that was shot in two days named Exit. That was shot on a budget of about 200 Australian dollars. Right. Winning, which won him Best Director of the Year and a Kodak Award, which ended up giving him quite a name in the Australian student film world
1: right and what's interesting is the reason that he only he had two days he had two days to shoot and one day to edit mm-hmm. and that was because he had like so he was graduating right and he had like put off making a movie yeah. <laughs> to the point where he was like well i gotta do something um so he he rushed this out as quickly as he could um it and what's interesting is it it was a zombie movie taking place in the woods that included intense fighting combat with knives. Yep. Um Kitamura said it was basically what Versus was but yeah. on a smaller level. Smaller scale. And uh yeah, no it 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 did very well. Um but oddly enough, I mean, he refuses to show exit, which is kind of sad. I'd <laughs> love to see this this right. student film. Especially um, since
0: it's basically, from the sounds of it, it's essentially the first, in, in a sense, it's the first
1: version of Versus. Right. Of right. But what's interesting is, after this, he didn't do a whole lot. Mm. Um, I mean,
0: I'll, the website for Versus... The official website for Versus claims that after after graduating, he returned to Japan and worked in a bunch of different odd jobs, such as being an interpreter, interpreter, being a secretary for politicians, and also being a part of a band. Um, but according to an interview conducted by Tom Mez, that if Kitamura says no, he did not. The only job he's ever done is working in film, so I
1: don't know what the ver- the official Versus website was talking about. <laughs> well, I was, so to my understanding in Australia, so he was so after he graduated, he was in Australia up until about 1992, mm-hmm. um, and he ended up being a singer for a band because I think that was in the interview that uh, was was mentioned, or it was in something in the booklet for the Arrow release. Um, uh. he, he stayed in Australia, but eventually he was like, I'm going to go back to Japan. Right. And then he went back to Japan, and then in 1996, so uh, about four years after coming back to Japan, he produced his first film, uh, which was a short film. It was called uh, Down, or it was 1990. i trying to remember when it was.
0: What, 1997's Down to Hell? Or... No, it was
1: before that. Oh, the one um, before that. Heat After Dark. Heat After Dark. That's After the movie. It was from 1996. And that is basically a Yakuza gunfight movie. It was about like 50 minutes long. Um, so he did that in 1996, and then shortly after he did Down to Hell in 1997, which got him a lot of award. He he won some awards from that, won some money, and from there development began on was the it? Return
0: Down to Hell too.
1: Yes, which that was the work they were they filmed the movie um with right. that in mind until uh yoji shimura uh, he was a friend of, of kitamura he was working on the behind the scenes filming of versus and he ended up becoming the second unit director for godzilla final wars yeah uh, Shimomura suggested that you've been fighting your whole life between school and moving and money and budget and producers and all that to make a movie why don't you just call this versus Mm-hmm. and that's what it became
0: <laughs> yeah uh yeah down to hell 2 originally was you know Kitamura himself was kind of frustrated with the Japanese film industry and didn't he didn't care for the current state of it at the time which was focusing on love stories, family stories and all that stuff type of uh deal and felt that in particular the action movie scene in japan was very lacking compared to what hollywood and hong kong were doing at the time Mm -hmm. but unfortunately he couldn't get any producers to help him with it so he ended up he ended up making versus like you said it was originally going to be down to hell too which they started making and they were looking for, to do it on a budget of about $10,000. However, from what I understand as pre-production went on and the script kept growing and growing, Kitamura decided to take a gamble and decided to, you know, try scrounging up as much possible money as he could leading possibly to a budget of 30 million yen. Do you have any uh, more concrete
2: so on that
1: or? From, from my research, the, sure on that. the initial budget was the money he got for winning the award for Down to Hell, which was $20,000. That was his initial budget. Mm-hmm. However, as things continued developing, he needed more money. So mm-hmm. what happened was uh Kitamura went around and like got people to invest money in the film right um, I
0: mean I read a quote from him that was basically saying like basically every day he as soon as the day would end he would just start
1: calling someone like hey can I have some money for my film <laughs> yeah uh if I remember correctly he what he said and I quote everybody on my phone I called right um my family, so and my
0: friends, ex-girlfriends, producers, everybody to raise money.
1: Now, what happened is one of his biggest backers did back out. So him and his producer, Keishiro Shin, like went out and got as many credit cards as they could. <laughs> and that added up to about $50,000. And so that... They used towards the film, and then they would they would ask for money. You know, people would pitch in money, give them money. The crew, a lot of them worked for free. Like it was just this whole thing where it's like we got to see how much we can, like how many people will be willing to donate for this. Mm-hmm. And so as it continued to, you know, as as they continued to film, uh, the final budget ended up being about three hundred thousand uh, dollars, which is pretty pretty decent pretty decent pretty good um but needless to say it, it wasn't an easy production by by any means no but before we we go into that we should probably establish the influences for this movie okay um because that also had a lot to do with it um Kitamura specifically cited uh George Miller, John Carpenter and Sam Raimi as like direct influences on his style of filmmaking, the way he approached film, and just, you know, how, how he wanted to be a filmmaker. Evil Dead is probably one of, what's interesting is from what I've, what I've been researching, and this has been something I've kind of, I started this, I want to say about a year ago, and I keep seeing it. Evil Dead is probably one of the most influential films in Japanese cinema. Mm,
0: certainly on like the is certainly on like the Japanese horror side at least.
1: Yes. I mean there's there's even a movie called Japanese Evil Dead which is right. is attempting to be like a I mean re- Evil Dead itself has,
0: was just, has just been a very influential series for low budget and indie creatives in general. Just a film a film like Evil Dead that has been so massively successful has is inspiring for so
1: many people. I think, and I've yet to see it, but I do own a Korean DVD of it. So yeah, I should... you should watch it. It's quite good. I my Korean DVD that. has has I Evil Dead and and Evil Dead too. So I should watch it. Yes, watch Evil Dead too. It's amazing. So, but beyond that, uh, he was also inspired by. Uh, Luisio Fulky, right? Mm-hmm. Uh the zombie movies. Uh we, we talked about them last week a little bit uh when talking about uh junk. But specifically right. the first one I remember seeing cited zombie three. That was the one that uh Ryu Ryue Kitamura specifically talked about. And then he loved Yakuza films, so he was like, I want to make a Yakuza versus Zombie movie. And then Tak Sakaguchi, while uh, in the offices of NAPON Films, one day he was looking at a manga called I Am Tepe, which had which was about a samurai. And uh, Tak Sakaguchi was like, "We should make this a samurai movie. Like, put some samurai in it." <laughs> and Kitamura was like, "I love that idea, but how am I supposed to do that?" and then he cited Highlander as another film that he took inspiration from um so between Zombie 3 the Evil Dead Highlander um Versus was kind of born <laughs> production started for the film on in fall of 1999 specifically October 4th of 1999 They had a grand total after production wrapped of about 150 crew members total. Um, But while they were making it, like you brought up, they were they weren't happy with the Japanese film industry. Um, And at this time, like so for some context, they were filming in 1999. So this was after Ring. This was after Spiral. And I believe this was after Ring 2. Um,
0: yeah yeah because ring 2 was early 99 i want to say
1: i think so so the ring films had already started Uh, juan was not a thing i think tolmye was not
2: Uh, yet
0: yeah juan came out like sometime in 1999 i don't quite remember when the curse came out but sometime in 1999, I think.
1: Juan the Curse came out February of 2000. Oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, J-Horror was starting to become something... Tomie was 98, though. Tomie okay, was 98. So you had Ring, Spiral, Ring 2, Tomie, probably the sequel, maybe. Yeah, Tomie um,
0: Another Face was 99. I'm pretty and sure. you
1: were starting to see some zombie films as well, like Wild Zero, Embalming, The Day Shuffle, Flock the Dead Spirits, Junk. Like we uh, covered last, or no, Junk was not junk out. Junk was off this. Junk was off to this. Yeah, Junk came out after this. My bad. Um, but you were getting some zombie movies. You were seeing ho- horror films creep in right like everybody was starting to look into producing horror movies Um, and Versus came out like Junk was first Junk
0: was before this actually I just double checked because it was January of 2000 Versus had its premiere in October but didn't have its full release until September 2001
1: okay so you know Junk was coming out but there wasn't it was all very Japanese Or it was all very low budget and and wasn't getting a lot of acknowledgement. And Kitamura, somebody who, you know, left Japan, learned filmmaking in Australia, loved American filmmaking, moving back to Japan, he wanted to appeal to the international audience. And being that he was taught in Australia, like he kind of had that idea of what the international audience would like um so while producing it they didn't like it's they it's a two-hour runtime they wanted it to be long like an american movie they wanted it to be very american very international based they weren't worried about japanese audiences they wanted um international audiences to like it
2: mm-hmm.
0: on the topic of you know this film it it's it, i feel like it's important to bring up our leading actor Mr. Tak Sakaguchi whom okay. I feel like is... <sighs> this movie is essentially the quintessential tak Sakaguchi movie. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, Our leading star... I, I found it was interesting how apparently there's actually... There's two different stories on how tak Sakaguchi got involved in this film. The first story is that tak Sakaguchi met and starred in yudai yamaguchi whom is one of his uh films or shorts or something yamaguchi being the writer one of the screenwriters of this film outside of kitamura himself who also wrote it um and apparently kitamura saw this short or film or whatever and decided to cast tak in the role however later so later sources such as tak sakaguchi himself as well as Kitamura in in later interviews would go on to say no Sakaguchi first met Kitamura during a street fight where Kitamura just he he saw him beat someone up and you know just was like hey you should call me and you shouldn't be fighting on the street you should be fighting in my films and then, and then eventually he convinced him to go to a party where they met again. And this time Kitamura was in a fight with some German guy.
1: <laughs> See, and I... the same party
0: was also where they where Kitamura met uh actor Hideo Sakaki, whom is the our leading our main antagonist of this film and the protagonist of one of his later films, Alive.
1: Interesting. I didn't I didn't I didn't know how they really came to be to my understanding a lot of the crew was like friends of kitamura or Mm -hmm. people who had worked on down to hell a lot of them came and helped and just people that kitamura knew like around japan like he would call them and come in i didn't know that there was some 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 lore with tak sakaguchi (laughs) Mm.
0: i mean apparently tak's character in the film is Basically a combination of Kitamura and Tak's own personalities in real life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also worthy to note that uh Tuck even had his first uh run-in as assistant director on Versus momentarily. He uh he did uh he did it for one day and it was when the boss's three assassins arrived. Oh. Now the funny thing is, Kitamura hated it so much that in Ultimate Verses they reshot it and cut that whole scene out. <laughs> um They he he didn't like it. And I mean Sak Tak Sakaguchi ended up like he would go on to do other work. He would learn how to direct, he would be an action director, he would um he would do a lot of stuff, right? right. Um but no, he was, he was a key he was a key person in this, and also cinematographer Takumi uh, Fruya uh, mm-hmm. was another key component because uh, that the first week was probably the worst week on, on production for this film. Um, nobody really knew what they were doing. They didn't really have a lot of money. They got very behind schedule. Um, what ended up happening is uh, Kitamura... Like, split the production between two units. Uh, Yuta Yamaguchi would do all of the special makeup close ups and some of the action pieces where Kitamura would do all the principal photography. Um, but production would kind of get back on track when uh, Furuya san came on. He, I believe, he worked on, if I remember correctly, he worked on Down to Hell and he like knew a little bit more and he understood Kitamura's style, whereas the cinematographer that was before him that got fired, he didn't understand Kitamura's style. So when fruya came on, everything started coming together. The one scene in the movie where the old cinematographer's work can be seen was when KSC-2-303 was confronted by the gang and the first zombie fight. Those two moments were the old cinematographer. But outside of those, everything was a uh, fruya-san. And I think it's a little obvious because of how quick and how fast everything is and how how fluid the camera movement is.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> that's something I definitely noticed at a couple points in this film, is just the energy of the entire film and which honestly is just Kitamura's style in general. Right. And that's in something of wars and
1: to an extent, alive. To an extent. No, Kitamura has a very energetic filmmaking style. And a, a lot of that, too, was he wanted, like, verses. He didn't want it to be v cinema. Like, he never considered, like, doing a straight to, like, it was always intended to be a theatrical film. And he was going to make that happen. He liked big, like, action sequences. He loved stuff like that. So for him, it was it was very like important to to do all of that and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, is there
0: anything else you'd like to mention before we get into the nitty gritty of the film itself?
1: Well, I mean, there's still a decent amount really to talk about. Um, I what I really love about Versus is it's even though it wasn't uh it wasn't like a direct sequel to Down to Hell um because of the so there was about 45 to 50 shooting days total but they had to like split it up due to scheduling conflicts with some of the crew lack of crew they actually at one point lost like they had no money so they couldn't fund to keep it going um they were behind schedule so they got kicked out of the the suites um that they had rented out um so they had to like go and film at different spots they had to film in Osaka some in Tokyo uh I believe the Chiba prefecture at one point was used um they even went back to some of the filming locations in Kyoto they uh shot down to hell in and like shot in those exact same spots Damn. um that's why there's a lot of moments where like the woods kind of alter and change and certain things happen Um, because they just had to shoot in a completely different spot. Um, <laughs> I want to say it was like they started filming and then they had to like, it started in fall. It went through winter and finished in spring. I want to say, um, if I remember correctly. So what, you know, what ended up happening is they had to, like, some moments the the film looks different. Right. Um, and that was because they had to make it look a little different because the lighting outside was different. <laughs> um, so some <laughs> moments are a little more cooler. Some moments are a little warmer. And that's all simply because Kitamura had to find a way to, like, fix the differences in, in the the coloration the tones of the footage so he just used some amber filters um they shot so much that it ended up taking about three to four months to edit the full film um and they they really like were honed in on like how to how to like edit everything um like the editor on this film was like very like we were very precise, and there was a lot because there's a lot of like quick second clips that come in right. here, and like reaction shots or action shots or something um they even like when the zombies appear, the frame rate sped up, so like the action would look different, so there was more frames being used um It was like a very chaotic uh production um sometimes like everybody was new to ho- the whole action thing so like tak ended up breaking three ribs in a tooth during production um mm-hmm. i mean she swords...
0: claims that's probably
1: a lie <laughs> <laughs> um swords apparently swords would break all the time during filming mm-hmm. um because I mean, nobody
0: one scene where tak sakaguchi fights kenji matsuda This character, like Kenji Masuda's character uses like a butterfly knife. And from what I understand, early on while they were filming that scene, it was just like a piece of paper, like wrapped in like silver or something. But then Yudai Yamaguchi got worried it would be too obviously fake for audiences. So then they just started using the real knife. (laughs) And Takasakaguchi was like, yeah, sure. While being absolutely terrified.
1: (laughs) It's that's that's actually really funny. I love Yeah,
0: that. I love Tuck. He's great.
1: So no, it was like they they were crazy and a lot of it too was like and they explained it martial arts in general are, is meant to hurt people, right? And then acting is meant to look like you're doing the thing, but not actually. And so trying to blend the two, plus wireworks and like weaponry and whatnot, is very difficult, especially for a group of amateurs. So there was a lot of difficulty on set. And if it wasn't for the fact that our two our antagonist and our protagonist had such great chemistry, it would have been a lot harder to do. Um but it was it was very difficult initially to like get the actors to remember the exact movements and what to do without actually injuring themselves. Right. Um, it's also worthy to note that even though Kitamura had done exit and kind of had that idea. Pre-production for the film lasted from summer of 1999 up until October. So it was about three months total of pre-production process with the casting and the uh, script writing and the screenplay and all that. That took about three months total. I mean, I saw an interview
0: with Kitamura, Kitamura where he said it was more films. I want to say he said it was like versus took overall about two years to
1: make total. I mean if you want to count because like the film came out and then they went back and reshot footage and re-edited the film which came out in 2004 like yeah the end, the total like production for this like ran from 1999 to 2004 for like what he ended up wanting I guess that's true <laughs> <laughs> Is
0: there anything else you want to mention or
1: that's all I had. I think we could go ahead and dive into this. Okay. So verses
0: begins with opening text explaining that there are approximately 666 portals to the other side. While most people in the world have no idea about this, there's a couple people that are aware of him and are trying to go through said doors to gain quote the power of darkness one of which the one of these portals in japan the 444th portal is the forest of resurrection which was first discovered a long long
1: time ago and it's real quick it's worthy to note right away with this you can see the influences of both japanese and western culture Mm -hmm. because six six is the is the unlucky number three sixes is, is really bad 666 portals you know there's that but in japan the unlucky number is four. Four, um, right i think of uh four 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 <laughs> four, four 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 or ten fours the uh takashi uh, shimizu short film that uh first mm-hmm. introduced us to toshio um but four is a bad luck number, especially four fours, um, I believe. Um, but he couldn't do four fours, so he did four four four, which is the closest to that. Right. Uh, which I I love that. Like we can already see the blending of these two different genres, these two different cultures, and you know, it 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 continues to develop as as time goes on in this movie.
0: Right, and this is where, you know, we cut to our first action scene where a a Japanese samurai is fending off
1: against zombies. Right, and they're kind of your stereotypical zombies. I mean, Uh, they are holding katanas. They are holding katanas, but if I remember correctly, they don't really do a lot in this sequence with them. No. No.
0: They all just get sliced and diced
1: right which I love the fact that this film does not wait to like jump into the action it gets right into it and it I mean this is just Kitamura (laughs) right but I mean keep in mind this was his first film so like thinking in the context of this is probably what most people saw for the first time like it it doesn't slow down right yeah no that's true from here after the samurai has
0: um after the samurai has defeated all of his zombies he is confronted by the man played by
1: Hideo Sakaki right our and and keep in mind nobody has actual names in this movie no, <laughs> no <laughs> like no he's one has just known names. as the man so when we don't know the names of the characters and we're just like the guy, the man, the antagonist—like that's honestly the best we can do.
0: I mean, most of the time, I'm just going to be calling our main characters Hideo Sakaki and Tak Sakaguchi.
1: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Speaking of whom, after Sakaki just slices the samurai into two pieces, the dying samurai looks over to see see a a straw hat Ronan. And that's when we get our title card versus where we Which, immediately jump to another, another action sequence of sort of two prisoners escaping
1: prison. Right. And it's also worthy to note. So that title sequence was done for free. Um, they were able to go into a place to like digitally create that. They only oh. had like three hours to do it um, <laughs> and it would have cost it like they couldn't have they couldn't have afforded it but the person who had the technology, like let them go in for a handful of hours to do it. And uh, that's really cool. At least I think. Um, But, and, and during this whole, the two uh, prisoners running away, the camera's moving very fast. Oh yeah. They're, they're cutting, they're moving around. There's a lot of motion. Um, Bit of shaky cam here and there as well. (laughs) Right, which it's not bad. Shaky cam. No, either. it's
0: not bad. It's. I mean, you can clearly tell what's going on. It's meant to add with shaky cam, but here it's it's clear. It
1: just it just gives off the chaotic energy to the scene. Right. It's not like th- and and the camera's never really fixed. Um, Kitamura d- doesn't care for fixed camera sequences that much. So, like the f- The camera in this movie's always moving
2: mm-hmm. oh yeah it's
1: always there's always a pan or a zoom or a tracking shot or a, a spinning you know, shot a spinning shot it's if it's if it is a fixed camera shot it, it only lasts
0: cuts. a few seconds if right. that.
1: and then there's the shaky cam, but it's shot in a higher frame rate. So that shaky cam doesn't come across as like blurry or like what's going on here. Like you would see in a lot of like Toei television shows, there's a lot of shaky cam because it's just a dude running through the jungle recording this dude in a common writer outfit. Like there's no, like, they're just out on location filming. In this case, they had that in mind.
2: Mm-hmm
1: from here
0: uh two prisoners find an empty field and start discussing the fact that a takaguchi sakaguchi doesn't doesn't trust anyone in this movie and establish and then they establish for the audience that uh what they're doing here is getting picked up by some yakuza members right and this is also where one one sm- it's not a major issue in this movie, but it is a bit of an issue the dial The audio mixing for the dialogue isn't the greatest.
1: yeah, it's sometimes hard to hear what people are saying
0: right, particularly in this scene was where it was most obvious for me where Tuck, Sakaguchi in particular
1: sounds really quiet right, well, the whole film was shot silent um they really? it was shot on sixteen millimeter um but they didn't have the money to shoot it with sound. So they, uh, they had to go in and like do like the Italian style filmmaking. I believe they had to do this on Stacy as well. Um, Yeah. I think you mentioned that on Stacy. So they, they had to do it all in post. So it makes sense that there would be potential, potential like mixing problems because of, you know, You have your folly, you have your dialogue, you have your music, you have your other background sounds, you have other character sounds. Um, I mean, that's, and especially whenever you're still kind of new to that, the idea of, like, doing that's actually really difficult to do. Right, yeah. It's also worthy to note the whole film was shot on location, so all of the sequences we see were shot on location.
2: hmm
0: Following this, after after a little bit of dis- banter between the two, the the yakuza pickup men arrive, and from here, just the tension is through the roof with Tak Sakaguchi, with them telling the two prisoners, "Hey, we got to wait for another car that's coming," and Tak Sakaguchi just being like, "I don't trust you." Well, the or the other
1: prisoners, like, what the hell? Why are we not going? I, you know, I'm surprised you didn't bring up how over dramatic and over the top their like introductions are. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, one actor I want to particularly highlight is Kenji
0: Matsuda as the yakuza man in the green suit and the tie.
1: The crazy yakuza.
0: Yeah, he is absolutely he he hams up this movie and. Which is in sharp contrast to Tak Sakaguchi's performance, which is pretty straightforward and serious, all things considered. <laughs> right, right. Well, Kenji Matsuda is just absolutely ridiculous in this movie, and it's just chewing up the scenery.
1: No, it it it's but it's fun. It's it's kind of hammy, but it's fun. Um, I love all of the introductions here. Like they all are like slow-mo walking and getting off of the, you know, the the Yakuza on a motorcycle gets out off slow and is like walking. Um, The doors are all dramatically being opened. What's funny is uh, there's an, there's a shot that's looking down on the car as like the door opens and you can see as the door opens in the window, you can see the whole film crew (laughs) (laughs) and like, it's not a bad thing. Like that happens frequently. Like there's a shot in twister where you can see the helicopter that's flying up to the truck. You can see it in the reflection of the truck. Um, Like that stuff just, it's going to happen and it's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with stuff like that. Um, I have no issue with that. It's fun though. It's fun to see that. Um, In my short film, SOS Six Shelter, I kind of did something similar, um, though unintentional. I was wearing this bright red Hawaiian shirt. And uh, in one scene, as I'm following my actor down into the basement, I walk past a window and you can see the red of my shirt. (laughs) And every time I see it, I'm like, "Oh God! I should have been just. I, I should have took that off. I would have been fine." But it's kind of it's not like seeing that stuff is just like, "Yes, this is low budget. They couldn't afford the mirrorless camera that like can help hide that." It's all there, like it's raw. It's 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 guerrilla filmmaking. It's you're seeing the hard work and that's something that uh Kinemura talked about was how this is all handcrafted there's no CGI this is all like well made non CGI stuff
0: right and you know speaking of you know these character introductions one thing i want to highlight as well is that every essentially every character in this film has a very distinct look to them
1: not yes. just in how
0: their actors you know how the actors all have, you know, different hair and makeup. Um, just also their costume design is very different. And I'd say it works very well to, suits the personalities of the characters.
1: Right. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Sakaguchi's you know, he's got his charisma. You've got Hideo Sakai, the man who always has that swagger with him. Um Right. You've got the girl who's always in this white outfit, you know, white Mm -hmm. and and pure Kenji Matsuda's character, the green, you know, the green, uh, shirt and the insanity and how he's like the over the top acting. Um, right. Yuchi, Yuchi, the
0: the motorbike guy, just with like the sleeveless vest.
1: Right. (laughs) And the, The, uh, crazy Yakuza member who always has the blood on his face. um, You've got the Yakuza with the glasses, uh, the red-haired assassin, the female assassin. Um, you've got your cop characters uh, who are very distinct in how they look and all that. And no, you're you're absolutely right. Every character in this movie you can remember. Except for maybe one of the female assassins?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's true, actually.
1: the The, the, the long haired one, because the short haired one has a little bit to sh- like her moment to shine, but uh, right. the other one, not so much. The other one's kind of sidelined. But right. like, that's Which the only character
0: dies shortly after our introduction,
1: <laughs> right? But that's the only one I can really think of that really doesn't. You aren't able to like clearly like, yes, this character.
0: Hmm. I mean, the one other character who's kind of, kind of forgettable is, yeah, you know,
1: humorously enough, the first character to
0: die as well,
1: which oddly enough was like one of Kitamura's best friends in real life. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, he was. Uh, he worked on. I want to say he worked on Down to Hell. Like Kitamura knew him really well. They went back years. Um, Oh, because I read... I kind of sworn I read an interview where Kitamura said, oh yeah, I
0: killed that guy off because I hated him. Oh. (laughs) I I read a... (laughs) That's what I read in like a... I want to say it was the Tom Mez interview, but I don't quite remember.
1: Well, I I think I read that Kitamura killed him off because they were such good friends. He wanted the other actors to know that even though they were best friends that he wasn't going to like keep him alive more. Like it was kind of a way to help boost the morale of the team, knowing that Kanemura like valued all of them. Damn. I have no clue which story is true,
0: but either way, that's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The reason why said character gets killed is because you know, he talks about how the Yakuza men have orders from a from their boss, whom is Hideo Sakaki's character, the man, and this pl- this plan involves these orders, sorry, involve a woman who is also with them in the car, whom has been kidnapped by the group. There is some banter between uh the the Yakuza man and Tak Sakaguchi where Tak declares that just like in real life, he is a feminist (laughs) and eventually gets a hold of the little crazy runt Yakuza man and uses his gun to kill the de facto leader. I guess you could say
1: at this time. Yeah. And then he gets the girl away from them. Who's now like behind Tak and, and you know, Using him as a shield as he's trying to, like, walk away and get out of the situation that he's now in.
0: Having an intense stare down.
1: Up With some amazing, you know, circling.
0: Right. And Kenji Matsuda just continuing to
1: be incredible in this movie. Which, (laughs) it's funny because there's a, there's a 300, I think it's a one. it's called the 180 180 rule. uh, rule. Where you're not supposed to move your camera past the 180 degree mark which is like a straight line essentially like if you start on one side of the person you end on the other side you don't go completely around which kinemura ignores in a way now the the way he does it differently is he doesn't just circle there's cuts there's jump cuts on different angles which makes it feel a little more energetic which adds a little bit of that energy to the film That is present throughout.
0: Right. Yeah. But this uh, standoff of sorts comes to a brief end when suddenly the man, the Yakuza man who had previously been shot, rises up. He is now turned into a zombie. And this is where, this is where the mayhem really begins. (laughs) <laughs> and it never really stops. No. No, at no point does it really stop. There's few few breaks between the action.
1: Right. And I mean we get a whole shootout thing between uh all of the yakuza members, Tox character and and the now zombie um uh, eventually killing him, right?
0: Yeah, and then Matsuda just kills the other prisoner
1: and the reason they i to my understanding the reason they did that was to test if people would come back to life oh okay i guess okay. so yeah actually did you read something differently no i just
0: i say just two plus two didn't equal four
2: <laughs> <laughs> i, I see, just didn't I
0: think of that <laughs> At least that's what I, that's how I I think you're right. No, I think you're right. I just didn't, I just didn't think, I just didn't think that. I didn't have a thought at all. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. But no, that actually makes complete sense.
1: No, but what's funny is, you know, sure, surely enough, like after a few seconds, he does come back to life. Yeah. And all the Yakuza is. They shoot uh, at it
0: as Tak Sakaguchi gets away with
1: the mill. And from this point, the bas- basically the rest of this movie up until about the halfway mark yeah, is let's find Tak Sakaguchi's character. Let's find the girl.
0: And yeah, essentially for the next 40 or so minutes, it's just an entourage of action sequences with them during this. Tak Sakaguchi finds a corpse, which is... S- which uh just has a strange resemblance to the the samurai from the very beginning of the film, and takes his clothes, including a leather trench coat, which is basically a signature of Ryuhei Kitamura's film's costume designs.
1: <laughs> well, wasn't that taken from the Matrix?
0: I mean Oh well, yeah, Matrix would have been out by now.
1: Yeah. And The Matrix was really popular. And I mean, it's obvious, like, The Matrix was influential
0: on Kitamura's films, given Alive and Final Wars directly lift a a scene from Matrix.
1: Right. So I kind of took that as, and, like, Returner would end up doing that as well. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just kind of like one of those, like, tropes of the early 2000s if you were a cool action character with a gun you wore a long black trench coat
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean this this film very much feels like a, pr- a product of that time in the best possible way i'd say yeah i would agree with that <laughs> especially in just the the editing of this film you know with that high energy is something very a style that very much was popular in the 2000s, I'd say, after The Matrix came out. That really, really was popular. And then also The wire work as well, which is mm-hmm. another thing that was kind of popularized
1: by Matrix in and of itself. Right. And it's also worthy to note that this stuff is kind of what led to the... I mean, now it's kind of difficult. I mean, people criticize film now when they don't... So like if you watch Jaws, the first blockbuster movie, first movie to make over $100 million at the box office in the summertime, Spielberg utilized what a lot of classic filmmakers do, which is long lingering shots. I specifically think of when uh, Brody gets on the ferry to talk to the mayor, it's one shot. And it's one shot from the moment that the car gets on the ferry. They get out of the car. They're talking with Brody. They sail to the other side and get back in the car. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's one shot, one take. And all it is is the camera, you know, occasionally pans and moves. But for the most part, it just stays still. It doesn't really move a whole lot. That is all it does. But now you could not do that in a hollywood movie i think of uh certainly not a blockbuster no right um recently not recently a couple years ago the mortar the the murder on the orient express had a remake came out and the biggest complaint that audiences had was it was slow and i remember reading one of the uh critics brought up that that was because it was very there was a lot of slow lingering shots it was marketed as kind of a, you know, kind of a bigger budget Hollywood movie, right? But it was so slow that the audience could not be interested enough. And so now since like The Matrix um and like uh, Starship Troopers at this time as well, stuff like that eventually would lead to like the Transformers films because of the high energy editing that led to now audiences are conditioned to believe anything other than high energy edits cutting between characters is not engaging enough it it basically this was the creation of the roller coaster film versus is one of an one of the earliest examples of a roller coaster movie and you know speaking of roller coaster energy shortly after uh takasakaguchi and the girl you know he gets the clothing and they continue to run (laughs) the motorcycle yakuza does catch up to them
0: oh yeah yeah and this is where we get a pretty once again probably one of the more high octane fights in this movie um just with you know the editing and also the The choreography, in particular, was something that I found really striking. At one point, I just straight up think that I thought that Tark broke uh, the biker Yakuza's arm for a second. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) No, there's a few moments in this movie where they do stuff like that. Nah, yeah. (laughs) I think it also helps that this fight is intercut with the Yakuza learning about the whole fact that this forest is where people they've been
0: dumping bodies and all the bodies
1: that they've seen are coming back to life <laughs> which so and they'd structure it very well because it you have talk in, in the motorcycle yakuza fighting intercut with the yakuza figuring out the problem that's about to happen and as soon as the fight kind of gets to a point where it's boring for Tak and the motorcycle, the Yakuza, it focuses on the Yakuza and the return of the living dead. Yeah. Which is very well done. It right. keeps that be- energy going. And then before that
0: gets boring, the zombies start using guns.
1: Yes, and I love so typically traditionally in 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 zombie movies the zombie isn't smart enough to use things. It's just kind of this walking mass that right. you know will just try is, to grab you.
0: Right. And this is before even like the running zombies became popular from like uh Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remakes. So like yeah, at the time Zombies were more or less, to my understanding at least, more or less just the very traditional lumbering zombie as, you know, pop culture knows them without much, without very much reinvention. So right. this definitely, uh, definitely brings something fresh to the table for the zombies in this film and is <laughs> a very nice and unexpected surprise that i honestly completely forgot
1: about mm-hmm. <laughs> before this so, rewatch it's really nice i i love it um because I, mean, I during this rewatch
0: there was a lot of things that happened in this movie that i just completely forgotten about it honestly felt like it's it honestly felt like i was re-experiencing the whole movie again i
1: absolutely loved it <laughs> for that Well, see, for me, like, I've been, like I brought up earlier, I've been researching Japanese zombie movies. I've watched a lot of them. I bought more. More More's coming in the mail. Um, I've been, you know, I've I've kind of put myself into this genre, even though just a few months ago, it's like, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm bored. Mm -hmm. Versus is a different case. Versus does something new enough with its zombies. You know, they... There's some that are, like, doing, you know, martial art moves. There's, you know, they're using guns. They're actually aiming fairly decently. Um, right. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, and then we get a whole, like, crew of zombies that are, like, intelligent. Like, I love that. It, it takes the idea of the zombie queen from junk and, like, makes it way better. Yeah, and
0: yeah, it's interesting to bring up that like I feel like versus as a film, even though it is a zombie film, it's not something I I necessarily think of as a zombie film. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Kitamura kinda brings up in one of his interviews, that to just to classify a film just under one specific genre is very limiting. Like, some people have this image that horror movies cannot have, have comedy. Horror movies shouldn't have action in them. Whereas Kitamura's verses, in particular, is very much not contained to one genre. There right. is, a, obviously, this is an action film. I would say it's, it's probably the most prevalent uh, genre, I guess you could say, in the film. But this very much has a lot of elements of horror movies. There's and even like, especially comedy as well. Plays and there. the
1: comedy is really good. Yes, like this movie is very funny. <laughs> there's there's a few moments that I'm I chuckle like throughout it. Oh yeah, no, like Kenji
0: Matsuda's performance, the whole zombies having guns. <laughs> <laughs> was a hilarious surprise for me in particular, because I genuinely just completely forgot they use guns in the film.
1: Right. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, science fiction with how the story is set up. Uh, Right.
0: And the ending
1: as well. Right. Um, there's samurai, you know, there's a Chambara. Yeah. yeah, Chambara. Which was dead. I mean, it still is dead for the most part. Um, but Kitamura was like, I want to bring some of that to this film because that's a genre that's like distinctively Japanese. And the right. fact, and he said the fact that Tom Cruise has to te- teach Japanese people what <laughs> yeah. that is, is a problem. Um, <laughs> there's uh, like Yakuza, you know, crime. There's a Yakuza crime whole like, Subcategory. This can go into. There's a lot in this movie. Kitamura does not. There's even limit a police himself. subplot. There's a police subplot. <laughs> so no, it's. This is a very well, like, I mean, it's it's undoubtedly Kitamura. Kitamura does not listen to the norm. No. Kitamura no, tries to do something distinctly different, and distinctly right. him.
2: Um,
0: right. I mean, Adam... that's, that's something that he made sure to highlight in interviews on Godzilla Final Wars, where he specifically wanted to bring something new to the table, which is why I say Tak Sakaguchi was tapped to be the action director of Final Wars, because mm-hmm. he thought he could bring something new that new to the Godzilla series with, with
1: Tak Sakaguchi. right. And I mean, and I bring this up because I think there is kind of a parallel here. Uh, Adam Wingard has went on record and he's tried to say, like, I don't listen to what the fans want. I try to make something different, something unique, something like that's not what the fans want um, when talking about uh, kind of like Death Note and Blair Witch and Godzilla versus Kong. But the problem there, I believe, for Wingard specifically, is the fact that Wingard does not channel this like amazing creative mind that Kitamura had, right? hmm Wingard kind of looks at it at a very sh- very shallowly, kinda kinda shallow, kind of well, what what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And in, you know, in for Godzilla vs. Kong and Death Note, specifically those two, I can't comment on Blair Witch because I haven't seen the original film or the sequel. I've just seen his version. His two adaptations aren't looking into the, into the genre deep enough to create something new, something fresh, something original. It's mm-hmm. a very yeah i was gonna bring up like that like i don't feel like wingard's film
0: at least gvk i don't feel like that's a particularly fresh movie certainly not in the way that versus i feel is pretty fresh for its time
1: right and both i mean both kitamura and wingard approached it like kitamura has said like there's no like meta like versus is just entertainment it's it is an entertainment movie however versus in contrast to like godzilla versus kong which is also supposed to be an entertainment movie and that's what every fan of it will argue versus tries to create something new there's clearly a creative process there's a clearly a creative mind behind the film that is trying to create something Trying to create something, just in general. Mm-hmm. Trying to create something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Godzilla
0: Kong feels like it is trying, but, like, it feels like the film has been neutered with what new things it has been
1: trying, with only really the Kong stuff kind of landing. But even then, there's not a very clear, like, there's not a clear, creative Voice.
0: Mm. I mean, I, I suppose that happens when there's like six writers on your one two like less than two hour film.
1: True. I mean, there's two <laughs> on verses, but in all fairness, the two on verses were also the main creative minds behind the film in general. Yeah. So it it kind of makes sense that that would happen. So I mean, I I, I only bring that up not not necessarily to just say that gvk is an awful movie because i mean that is something that does, does help too it does help
0: uh, that uh checked off the uh, list
1: yeah we've we've already talked about ring we've talked about gvk so like we're we're to a point now where we're kind of where we're we've done our episode <laughs> um predictable damn we need to
0: we need to be fresh
1: soon <laughs> <laughs> we need a versus episode hey that's what we're doing Hey, look at that. Uh, It's just interesting, like, to to look at these two filmmakers that both kind of take a similar approach of, like, I want to do something that isn't, like, that's more entertaining than metaphorical or political or, like, whatever. But one takes it and says, let me create something that is undoubtedly me. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you look at a Kitamura movie, you say, yep, that is you know a a Kitamura film. You take an Adam Wingard movie, and it's like, uh, this is a Hollywood movie? Right. I mean, I haven't seen this, so I
0: can't personally comment on this, so this could be wrong. But from what I've heard... His Blair Witch movie kind of takes the Blair Witch project and turns it into a rather genericish horror movie.
1: Yes, it's very generic. It's 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 not it's not unique, right? Like that first Blair Witch was, right? Um, but I think that part of that too, just but I think Katamura's an obvious like uh, counter argument to this. By the time Blair Witch came out, 2016, the idea of a found footage horror movie had been done. Mm -hmm. Blair Witch Project exists. I mean, they did it on a monster level with Cloverfield and a knockoff of that called Monster. Uh, By this point, you had Wreck, um, a foreign. I mean, there's plenty of foreign movies that are found footage. Right. Um, I mean, with Wreck, you've got like three or four sequels and then like three or four American films as well. So the idea of a found-footage horror movie by 2016 was kind of not original, right? But the counter-argument to that is Yakuza films have existed for decades. Chanbara films were heavily used in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, zombie movies in it have, like, they're a joke. Like, in Japan, now they are a joke. Um, they were a joke by the like early 2000s right uh in in on an international level like I, by this point they definitely were kind of a worn out record um, action movies like you have the matrix everything wanted to be the matrix and a lot of people criticized films for trying to be the matrix mm-hmm. but versus and I mean, still more
0: himself talked about how the Japanese film industry just was not satisfying him in the action film department at
1: all either right, and no producers even wanted to do verses right everybody turned him down right so what Kitamura did is he took all of these genres, these subgenres and in these genres and these tropes, and was like let me do let me let me uh spice things up here let me uh." Change up the formula. Let me kind of come in here and show you guys what what you can do with this, and it works. Mm. It undoubtedly works. Every single genre and subgenre that Ryuhei Kitamura touched in this movie does not feel like he's retreading. No. <laughs> and I think we can even see that, like in the. The battle that we've come up to in the battle Sakaguchi ends up helping the Yakuza fight like they end up on the same side either way and they're fighting with each other
0: right (laughs) and which leads to the the motorbike guy the motorbike Yakuza man just letting him go as well Mm -hmm. now that of course he states is to to give them an opportunity, so that Taka Sakaguchi can find the girl for them. But nonetheless, you know, this right. unfortunately does lead to his death.
1: <laughs> Which isn't this where we're introduced to our little side story?
0: Yeah, after the after Kenji Matsuda and the glasses yakuza man uh, shoot the biker, biker. yakuza. The This is where we cut to the police vehicle, <laughs> where two injured police officers, one missing a hand, <laughs> a hand which was dropped by Sak, uh, Tak Sakaguchi earlier at the beginning of the film, they come out and they're like, what the hell, now we're going to chase you, we're going to make you pay for this. They bring out their goddamn Barrett M82 sniper rifle and the the leading police officer, I guess. It's just like, I'm the greatest hunter. I was trained by the FBI I, headquarters. I'm in, like,
1: literally lately. the greatest cop in the history of the world. <laughs> My reflexes are faster than Mike Tyson's. Let me tell yeah. you, <laughs> I'm going to – I am the greatest cop in the history of cops, and if you think that's wrong, then you're going to have to watch me kick some serious butts. Look at me. I'm great. I have a sniffer that can sniff out anybody. I worked for the FBI. I'm great. Right. <laughs> I finally was able to let my Donald Trump impersonation on this podcast. Look at that. I mean- Congratulations, I guess. Thank you. Now, I will say this whole side cop story is kind of weirdly placed in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't the want one... there's nothing this really brings to the film. Like No, it
0: it doesn't really add much. It it barely interacts up until like near the end.
1: And even then, they're kind of like a side thing at the end, like a side quest.
0: Yeah, literally. They just show up and they show up and get killed by Tak Sakaguchi pretty
1: much immediately. Right. <laughs> but you also, so talking about, uh, you know, all of this, you forgot to mention that our, our main Yakuza guy, played by Kenji Matsuda, Reveals that the plan is to kill the boss.
0: Right. Yeah, and after after the policemen show up, this is where finally the second car of Yakuza show up, which is actually Kenji Matsuda's uh hitmen.
1: Who are hired to kill the man. <laughs> who after this we do get if I remember correctly, we do get some more of I mean the film basically at this point cuts back and forth from talking and the girl
0: in there and then to the yakuza
1: <laughs> and talk and the girl are trying to figure out who they are why they're here and all of right. that
0: and the, the girl ch- convinces him to not kill as well
1: oh it's also worthy to note that during this the first zombie fight sequence um Our, like, little man, little runt Yakuza guy, like, accidentally shoots one of the guys in the arm and also, like, goes absolutely ballistically insane and is, like, (laughs) this side character that's literally running around like a Scooby-Doo character, like, freaking out at everything. (laughs) Um, Who, he, he shows up throughout the film as kind of like one of your comic reliefs there's there's i would say there's three comic reliefs the two uh cop and then the yakuza guy um they're your comic relief characters Mm -hmm. throughout the film i mean Um, Kenji
0: matsuda is also very comedic in the in his performance
1: right but i don't i wouldn't say he's the comic relief i guess not i would say he's he's like the secondary villain that's like really over the top and crazy sure sure um, your comic reliefs are typically those side characters that don't do a whole lot. So you've got the crazy yakuza guy. You now have your assassins. The biker yakuza guy is dead or dying. You have your two yakuza members left: uh, Kenji Matsuda and the yakuza with glasses. And then you have Tak and the girl. Now we cut back to the biker who sees this blurry figure in front of him that reaches out. And then we cut to our uh, remaining two Yakuza members who are alive.
0: Yeah. And then suddenly the location and color grading changes.
1: Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it goes from warm to really gray and blue and cold.
0: Yeah. Very,
1: very blue. <laughs> I think mine's different because I watched the Aero Transfer, which uh Kitamura personally like corrected all of the color grading. Huh. So like the color grading's gone, it's completely absent. Hmm. Um, it's like the German DVD release of Godzilla Final Wars. <laughs> um I mean the final the
0: final wars, final wars without the color grading in that German release, that doesn't quite look right to me. doesn't quite look right
1: i'm fine with either i think both look great i I think i think final wars
0: suits the suits it's color grading even if at times it is a bit uh overexposed
1: (laughs) fair enough fair enough um but the man appears to talk to kenji matsuda and the yakuza with glasses which they quickly reveal that it's a setup and he's going to be killed. Right.
0: And then all the assassins fire their guns on
1: him, but he is unfazed, completely unfazed. And then he like obliterates the three assassins and the two Yakuza. And then he brings them all back to life. Yeah. Besides, Two. Um, the girl with short hair and Kenji Matsuda's character initially. He almost kills Kenji Matsuda's character who's trying to escape, while all the other are resurrected as zombies besides the short haired assassin who escapes and is like trying to get out of the forests.
0: Right. Matsuda has a little scuffle with the uh, the runt man who's also not a zombie. Um
1: <laughs> Even but shoots bef- him, <laughs> shoots him in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Which it just so happens now. What are those called? I know, I've seen them before. They're a, they're a lucky charm. What amulet? The thing that's in his pocket, so he doesn't actually get shot in the butt. I don't know. Um, I mean, his credit is
0: literally the yakuza men with amulet
1: okay, we'll just call it Amulet then. Um, that, like, blocks the bullet from actually shooting him. But so then he carries that with him the rest of the movie, and it looks like a price tag on his gun, which I could not stop thinking about. <laughs> um, and then for the next, like, ten minutes,
0: he's complaining. He's, like, just holding up his ass because he's in so much pain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um... It's worthy, so he runs away when the man and the zombie gang, as I'm going to call them, all go in on, on Matsuda, who he then. Matsuda. Matsuda tries this. to
0: shoot himself.
1: Because he wasted all the bullets. He wasted the one bullet that the crazy Yakuza guy gave him on trying to kill him. He doesn't have a bullet left. And so he's turned into a zombie himself. Right. Which, his zombie is amazing, but we'll talk about that when he really becomes prevalent. (laughs) So, now we have the man in the zombie gang, the crazy Yakuza, the short-haired assassin, Sakaguchi, and the girl. Mm. The short-haired assassin girl does find Sakaguchi and the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, i mean a little before
0: this is also where tak sakaguchi and and uh the girl encounter one of the assassin zombies <laughs> specifically the redhead one is
1: uh mm-hmm. and engage in probably
0: my favorite fight in the film
1: see <laughs> my fa- the favorite my favorite scene follows this fight so mm. They fight. I think it's a very entertaining fight.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, there's just straight up a Final Wars moment in it. Right, right. Because, like, literally, they have a stare down, near the end of the fight, I think, Tak stares down the zombie, and it's, like, the exact same music as in Final Wars during, like, the start of the motorbike chase and it's like mm-hmm. got the exact same editing but where it's like cutting between the two like looking at each other as it as it like zooms in on their faces right <laughs> and and it, I, and it is from the same composer
1: <laughs> right um the same composer came back for final wars to help co-compose with uh uh Keith Emerson and there's one more it was the That's composer on yes um so, following this fight, the man shows up to see the aftermath right and the the red headed zombie uh, assassin is still alive, and he gets up and this is my favorite scene in the movie. The man <laughs> punches through his face like and now there's just a hole in his face, which the gore here is great
0: i just i just um, love I just love like the camera shot where it's
1: like through. Like through you
0: just the through the hole in the head.
1: And right, you, see and like you can teeth. see the teeth. You can see the teeth, you see the blood dripping. Um <laughs> it's great. And then and, like and then it, the man is just annoyed by the eyeballs stuck between his like fingers. <laughs> so what's funny is so I've seen some, some Final Wars criticism videos, right? Mm-hmm. And one of their arguments is always they pick the guy that did this movie. And they always show this scene, this scene specifically, because how ludicrous it looks out of context. This is like on par with when the the frog from Yakuza Apocalypse strolls in and beats up everybody like that out of context is like, what am I watching? But Takashi is one of the greatest Japanese filmmakers in the modern day. Right um and that movie i'm gonna be
0: honest seeing that clip made me like seeing that clip out of context made me interested in this movie like that's what originally attracted me to this movie because that that's awesome the scene's awesome i love this whole scene i think i honestly think like the the whole like red the redhead zombie fight through to the man you know just punching through his face. I feel like th- those two scenes are just the perfect summary of versus. Like if you're trying to if you want to sell someone on versus,
1: I'm going to just show them this scene. These two scenes. Right. But see, I what I don't like is the criticism of see this one clip of the dude punching through the face. See how crazy this is? Why would you hire the guy who did this to do Final Wars? But what's interesting is if you watch Final War, if you watch Versus, you have the blueprint for Final Wars. Oh yeah, the movie is structured the exact same way as Godzilla: Final Wars. Takakageuchi's character is Godzilla, <laughs> and what's really what I love is—I mean, they took some influence from Chanbara movies, right? tak is supposed to be the ronin samurai who has to fight off all the villains right yeah that same comparison has been made to godzilla as this samurai-esque character who is the lone ronin fighting off the villains mm-hmm. in final wars godzilla's one job is to beat each monster any way possible, and that's Tak Sakaguchi's role in this movie: is to beat all the zombies, the zombie gang, and the man. Mm-hmm. This movie, for anybody who wants to understand Final Wars a little bit better, just needs to watch Versus first. Oh yeah, but and absolutely. you have you have your blueprint for Godzilla Final Wars,
0: right? And if and if you want even to further understand final wars check out alive as well because you'll see you'll see more of final a little bit more of final wars coming through there as well like obviously you get the matrix knockoff scene you've got the costume design in alive very much is even more final wars Mm
2: -hmm.
1: than in versus um the music the sound effects sound design the cast the cast (laughs) (laughs) I mean mo-
0: I mean from what I understand, most if not all the cast in versus do makes cameos in Final Wars at least. Cause like obviously you've got Sakaguchi who's one of the auxilians.
1: Mm-hmm. But like most of them do.
0: Not all Hideo of them. Sakaki he's in it in he makes a cameo. I I don't yes. know exactly where, I just know he does make a cameo in it. Mm-hmm. And a few of the others, like the the Yakuza men with glasses, is like one of the crew members of the Gotengo, I think. Mm-hmm. And a few others have roles like that.
1: Yeah, but not all of them, I will say. Not all of them ended yeah. up uh, getting in. But, but like yeah, most no, them, I think. If you watch Versus, you're going to... Like when I first watched Versus, I think it was by the final fight I realized this... Makes sense. Like mm-hmm. anybody who is shocked by Final Wars clearly does not know Ryue Kitamura. Right. And the reason that Toho hired Kitamura was because of Kitamura's uncanny filmmaking style, the fresh take. Toho wanted Kitamura to break Godzilla and bring a new outlook on the franchise. Right. And it works. Oh, it yeah. works. It is like, undoubtedly a Ryue Kitamura movie. Right. And it's it is not... something fresh
0: for the franchise.
1: Right. And and I mean, so you had Masaki Tezuka, who did Megagiris, uh, and the two Kiryu movies, and he was just like one of the Toho directors they had on standby for whatever they needed, right? Right. Um, I think it was Takeo Okawara who did two thousand and destroyer and mecha godzilla I think I think so another like for higher toho person um uh hashida I don't remember uh space uh, Godzilla's director kenzo yamashita Kenzo yamashita yeah pretty sure um this. like another person like not not like a huge like Creative person. No, really... I don't
0: feel like any of them have a particularly identifiable like style. style. Like mm-hmm. the closest thing to that is just Tezuka basically repeats Mega Gearus and against Mac Godzilla, but does <laughs> it better.
1: <laughs> right. Um, the one director outside of Kitamura that really had a creative mind. Um, is Shusuke Kaneko. Shusuke Kaneko.
0: Um which is so why I, f- which I think you know, I feel like there's a good reason why GMK and Final Wars are probably the two like most well remembered of the Millennium series. Like even if you don't like Final Wars, Final Wars is a mem- is a memorable film. <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know those two are by far the most memorable and probably the most talked of of their era i would say so <laughs> i would agree with that mm-hmm. cuz gmk is like the one that every that almost everyone agrees is like the best or one of the best of the millennium every, everyone almost everyone sort of agrees that gmk is pretty good Final Wars is a bit more contrasting in its opinions, but I feel like it's, at least in the modern day, it's a bit more positive overall.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people have warmed up to it. I do know there's still plenty of people. um, Right.
0: I mean, it's more older fans that aren't really a big fan of Final Wars, from from what I typically see, at least.
1: Yeah. So, see, it's one of those things where it's like, I think people who hate Final Wars don't understand Final Wars, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny to say because, I mean, admittedly, Godzilla Final Wars is probably, uh, probably the greatest the least... film i Yeah, maybe. Um, but Final Wars is probably one of the least like vocal films, but that's because that's Kitamura, right? What do you mean by least vocal? There's not a huge... uh, There's not a huge... Commentary. Okay. For the film. Mm.
0: Hmm. I mean, outside of the... Outside of GMK and I guess Godzilla 2000 and
1: maybe Megaguirus? I'd say the Kiryu Saga has some commentary. Uh, I mean, with Mechagodzilla, you have little... that, that typical.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, that's that's true, actually, on second thought. But even but still, my... I don't feel like there's any, like, not as significant themes as, say, like, Shin Godzilla 54.
1: Well, yeah, because Shin Godzilla and 54 are the only two that have stuff like Shin Godzilla and 54. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, but like nonetheless. Final Wars is not a like out of all the Godzilla movies, I would say Final Wars is probably one of the least vocal ever in the original mm-hmm. Godzilla f- set of films. Mm-hmm. Um, even Mega Gear, uh, Megalon, I think has more commentary than Final Wars. Um, uh, mm. I mean, there's a whole subplot about nuclear testings, and that's oh, why that's the true, yeah, that's true, actually. I, yeah, that's true, actually. So I mean, and it's not a negative thing. Like, Final Wars is a Kitamura movie. It's not supposed... It's supposed to be more entertaining than commentating on the social or political issues of of Japan at the time, right? Right. Um, But that's okay, because it's a Kitamura movie. Kitamura movies, like, if you understand... If you go into Final Wars and you don't understand the assignment, go watch Versus. (laughs) you watch versus you'll understand the assignment when it comes to final wars right. and watching versus for me, like opened up a whole new thing for understanding final wars. I never looked at that movie the same again.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the actual plot of versus after a little scuffle between the female assassin, the living female assassin and, uh, Tak Sakaguchi, which later leads to her scuffling with the the little runt yakuza man. Um, Eventually, Sakaguchi and the girl encounter the man, and this is where you know we learn that the man has waited hundreds of years for. He's he's essentially brought Tak Sakaguchi and the girl here because he wants to he wants to go to the other side. He wants the power from the other side that you know this, the portal in this area in this forest uh, has you know, and we learned that Tak Sakaguchi is actually his younger brother and that he needs. A not only a human sacrifice, but also the the girl's blood, to as essentially keys to the gate.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, and is like you're insane, and the two have a fight.
1: <laughs> and what's funny is during this whole thing, the man kills sakaguchi's character.
0: Yeah, the fight ends with uh, him shooting Tark and just knocking him down a cliff. Eventually, the girl uh, finds Tark's corpse and uses her blood to revive him. But she gets captured by uh, the she gets captured by the man's army of zombies, which then transitions us to the full samurai flashback where we see tak sakaguchi was the ronin at the beginning of the film and every one of uh yakuza are revived are revived uh soldiers of hideo sakaki's character and during this time tak sakaguchi
1: was also still protecting this girl Right, which I love the flashback sequence here. And what was really cool was the, quote-unquote, what I called the ultimate sacrifice, where he ends up killing the girl so that she can't get to the man. I love that. Like, that's so unique and different. Like, that's not something I would expect to see. Like, but, I mean, that's, I love that. That's another great example of what you know Kitamura brings to the table here. Uh, mm. And we see we see the finale of that fight, which results in, in Takasakaguchi's character dead. dying. Again. <laughs> <laughs> well for um, the first time. Well he dies too and before this, so it's a second technically.
0: Well but the flashback is the first time we see
1: canonically. True. Okay. Yeah. If we're going in in order of events, yes, it's the sec. It's his first time dying. Second time we've seen him die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like after this sequence, it cuts back to him waking waking up. Which the color, the lighting in his like resurrection is so <laughs> good. Like it's it's like Godzilla. Hey, Godzilla backlighting level quality. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's it's very it's very nineties
0: Japanese film lighting. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me actually of now I haven't seen this movie, but from it reminds me of a couple screenshots I've seen from, say, Evil Dead Trap, um, with like okay, the use yeah. of orange.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that, uh, or even like your uh, Keda Anamiya movies. Yeah, yeah, actually. Like your uh, mechanical violator Hekaiter and your zerom and your Ziram Two specifically. Mm.
0: Um, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a different style to Keita Amamiya, but yeah, right, kind of to be expected.
1: Right, but after his reawakening, we cut to the following day where the man's getting ready to sacrifice the girl and and make his uh takeover and and. Destroy the world and all that good jazz, right
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and this is where we find out that uh the blood of resurrection has been translated or translated <laughs> transported to Tark's character now that he's been revived, tak arrives with a katana, and this is. Where we lead to Tak Sakaguchi fighting off the remaining the man's remaining zombie army, as all the while the man gets ready for their final duel.
1: Right. So we have one on ones between uh, Saka, Tak Sakaguchi and all the the uh, not aliens or villains <laughs> against these zombies. Um, I, I this- love.
0: One thing that I, we didn't mention, but one thing I absolutely adore in this movie is just how ridiculous it is that every character is just pulling pulling a gun out of their ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's guns everywhere in this movie—guns and knives. Like they just—they don't have any guns on them, and then they'll just have suddenly have a gun.
0: Tak Sakaguchi mm-hmm. suddenly has like a, an assault rifle.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing. Also, during this whole sequence, we do get some intercuts back to our cops, right? Right. Um, We forgot to mention a little earlier in the film, they got into a car accident. They got a car. They shot the dude in the car. (laughs) (laughs) They are using this guy's car. That's kind of like a sports car. They find the other prisoner from the beginning of the movie. They find him during this sequence. And then they run over. They just gather like. I knew he was here, let's kill him. And they just (laughs) obliterate him. They didn't Um, even realize they're zombies. No, they don't. (laughs) Um, Then the crazy Yakuza guy and the female assassin who have teamed up by this point come in contact with them. They have a scuffle. The Yakuza guy ends up shooting the female assassin on accident. (laughs) And then... And then he runs takes a sniper rifle. Takes a sniper rifle, runs away. They then try our two cops. After him. And then somehow our two cops find their way to the final fight. Right. It's kind of <laughs> like an anchor man. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like at where all the news people. No, to meet up at this one place, and they all like bring stupid stuff to fight with. Right. While Kenji Matsuda, is, while Kenji Matsuda, zombie is fighting,
0: uh Tak, the the run yakuza man with the sniper rifle just shows up, <laughs> gets attacked, and then just knocked out by Tak, and Tak just steals the goddamn sniper rifle, which just blows
1: up kenji matsuda it's also <laughs> worth to bring up here his zombie form is like a cat yeah i think oh, it's yeah, a cat. exactly like a cat yeah which is funny because that goes back to japanese uh you know mythology and folklore how cats are kind of the animals to be worried about um <laughs> so i love that little like you can you can trace that back to to Japanese mythology and whatnot, um, right. Yuri and 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 all that, right? And this is where the cops
0: finally catch up to Tark. <laughs> <laughs> the guy without an arm, Os just yells at Tark, "Give me my hand back!"
1: And, and so well, Tark Tuck-
0: he he obliges, sort of.
2: With he another right Kenji, hand.
0: Yeah, he takes one of Kenji Matsuda's hands and, and gives it to him. And it's the wrong hand. Oh my god, I love that. And then he uses a sniper rifle to blow a hole through the guy's head. And then... Uh, the only other, shot that doesn't blow blow him up.
1: <laughs> that's true, because following that, the other cops, like... I have you the. You ref- can't hit me with your
0: slow bullets. My reflexes are greater than Mike Tyson's. And then he just blows up. Yeah, he he's tries doing honest. like he tries doing like the Neo thing from the Matrix, but he's like, "Oh shoot, I messed it up," and then blows up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so after all the zombies are dead, it becomes the man versus Toc. Yes. And. They have a glorious fight that, I mean, the cinematography and editing during this whole final fight is truly amazing.
2: Mm. <laughs> um,
1: I love it. Like, this was my favorite sequence. Outside of the punching through the head, this is probably my number two. This is my number two, this final fight. Because it's it's samurai sword fights. Um, It does end a little quick. I don't know, I feel like it was I feel like it was a pretty appropriate length. I felt like it ended maybe a little quick, but I mean what ends up happening... I mean it's just this it's a very high octane fight uh with swords. It ends with uh Takasakaguchi decapitating the man.
0: Yeah, and then kicking his head off.
1: And then he goes and gets the girl and they get out of the forest. And they ride off into the sunset, and you think everything's okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Happy ending. Well, then it cuts to 99 years later, where we have some amazing miniatures and, like, beautiful cinematography. I loved this final sequence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. An individual with a sword enters one of these buildings where the girl is being held by the Yakuza men and another individual. You would think it's tak Sakaguchi challenging Hideo Sakaki again, but no, their roles are reversed.
1: Which is a great idea. I love that concept. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the world is destroyed. There's nothing left for... Attack to destroy, essentially. And they are. That these characters are. Their fates are linked to come back again
1: and fight to the death. (laughs) Right. And I love how they, like, switch roles. Like, that. I mean, that's not something you typically see, right? Nah. Typically, no. And I love that. I love. Like, it's such a. I mean, it's a twist. Hmm. Like. You've been rooting for tak Sakaguchi's character this whole time. And now, like, even the girl says, I should have picked your side. It's like, wow, like, that's, that's, that is such a cool and dynamic way to end a movie to basically, like, flip the audience's opinion.
0: <laughs> the two, the two start their, their future duel and the movie ends. And so that was Ryuhei Kitamura's Versus. <laughs> so what do you think of this
1: movie, Elijah? Um, let me think here. I, I feel like I've said a lot. Um, I do think the movie runs a little long. Sure. Maybe not a lot, but maybe a little. Sure. I, I wrote in my notes, you might be able to cut like seven minutes out of this, maybe roughly. Yeah, seven, ten minutes-ish. Um, I don't think that ruins it though. I think this movie is still very good. This is a, this is the definition of style over substance. Oh yeah. Um, which usually is set in a negative connotation, but for this, I'm going to say it's a positive thing. Um, yeah, no,
0: I, I, I love this film. This, this is absolutely fantastic. I mean, Maybe there's slight bias, I don't know. I might be I might be the biggest fan of Godzilla Final Wars of all time, you know. It happens. This is, I this is a, like a proto-final wars, and I absolutely love it. I love Kitamura's absolute insanity <laughs> in this film. I, I absolutely adore it.
2: And I, I also agree.
0: think this is the quintessential like Tak Sakaguchi action film as well. Granted, I haven't seen a huge amount of his films, but like I feel like when you kind of picture a Tak Sakaguchi action film, this is kind of like the go-to example. Mm-hmm. It's it's certainly his most popular, at least. Right,
1: right. No, this this movie like put everybody. Well, it put. Ryuei Kinomaru and Tak Sakaguchi on the, like, on the map.
0: Right, yeah. And I mean, Tak Sakaguchi has had an interesting career that even extends a little bit to Hollywood. Like, he's he's worked alongside goddamn Nicolas Cage.
1: (laughs) Right. And, you know, another thing, too, you know, another thing, too, is Versus started a new genre. Um, this is something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but I definitely think it's worth bringing up. This is basically what started the new wave of splatter gore in Japan. Following this, the same team behind versus would go on to do battlefield baseball. And then they would work. Uh, some of them would come back and do meatball machine. Right. And following which, which this, is,
0: which Meatball Machine is directed by the writer of Versus, or correct? One, I would say.
1: Correct. Um, and following this, like Yoshiro uh, Nishimura would join, um, and whatnot. You would have it would really start with Machine Girl, which kind of follows the same idea of Versus, though a little different. Um, it it created this whole indie film, this low budget film idea that Nikatsu actually adopted. Nikatsu took this idea and they started doing their own movies. They started with The right. Machine Girl and then and they established...
0: And would be in quite a few of these movies as well, like Tokyo Police, yes. for example.
1: mm mm-hmm. um, You would have uh, Robo Geisha, which was not a Nikatsu film, but it's still in that same category. Um, but Nick, uh, And uh, Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Which again, not uh, Nikatsu, but still that same idea—gory, violent, very action-packed. But Nikatsu would eventually establish the uh, Sushi Typhoon label, which would have films such as uh, Mutant Girl Squad, Alien vs. Ninja, Dead Ball, Hell Driver, Yakuza Weapon, and Cold Fish. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, that label would die, but all of these follow that. Very high gore, lots of blood splatter, crazy effects, fun comedy, uh, uh, style over substance. Psychosexual. um, (laughs) Psychosexual. Uh, Tokyo Gore Police was another one, like you said, Rex. Um, But after this wave, this was all from 2009 roughly to about 2014. Um, It would kind of die off. Kind of the last film to really follow this trend was Nakatsu's uh, Yakuza Apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, which was Mieke's entry into this insanity subgenre. Um, Very fitting would, place for Mieke to go, right? It would kind of come back in twenty nineteen. You had Rise of the Machine Girls. Uh, I mean, you also had
0: Meatball Machine Kodoku in twenty seventeen.
1: This is true. This is true. Um, So, like, it still exists, and now we see it with, uh, let me find out uh, the company. But there's a very, it's a new company that is working on, they did Ninja vs. Shark. It's coming out later this year. It has zombies.
0: Oh, that's a film from Koichi Sakamoto and has, uh, what's his name, from Ultraman Zep.
1: Mm-hmm. Um... It is from the company known as Yabaze Yabazai um they like focus on indie low budget insanity movies. Ninja vs Shark is supposed to have ninjas, sharks, samurais, and zombies. That's what it's marketing um mm-hmm. and like they're it's, it's kind of sounds like they're bringing the new wave of this splatter gore that started with Versus. Um, you can kind of trace it back to like the first Meatball Machine short film from ninety-five and Antomia Extinction from nineteen ninety-four, which was the uh film that like created the idea for Tokyo Gore Police, right? Um so you have stuff like that, but versus is what really made it happen. Mm-hmm. That's what birthed it. Um and it's still very much alive today. Um, in the Versus booklet. It even suggested that One Cut of the Dead took some pages out of Versus for its style, at least for the zombie part, right? Um, But what's most interesting to me is how Ryu Kitamura has not gotten back to this genre. He hasn't directed another splatter gore movie in Japan since Versus. That was his one and only time. I mean there were plans
0: for a sequel to Versus with Kitamura having you know it was originally planned for filming in I believe 2005 mhm but and got then got reannounced in 2013 and yeah every now and again Kitamura's like eh, maybe someday down the line it'll someday I'd I'd like to do it someday down the but ultimately as of as of currently doesn't doesn't look like a an official Kitamura sequel of versus is anytime soon. He does apparently have a script. It's mm-hmm. quote big and insane, but he refuses to he refuses to do a film that's watered down. He wants this to be much bigger. He wants it to be his Mad Max Fury Road, if you will. Right, even having like thirty minutes of crazy car action in the opening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, he also because there was an American remake planned as well.
0: Right, around two thousand eight.
1: That was uh, planned for a twenty ten release, and that there's a script for that draft as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's two scripts out there for versus follow ups. There is an unofficial sequel. That yeah, has Tak Sakaguchi. Still,
0: subliminal Wars. I mean, it has pretty much the entire cast, like Sakaguchi, Sas- Sakaki, um, Kenji Matsuda as well, and all of them, pretty much. And as well as like a bunch of new cast members.
1: But Kitamura had didn't give it its blessing, write it, direct it, produce it. He had no involvement in it. And apparently
0: and it's... it's really only like sort of a versus like sequel and tribute with it. Apparently the references to versus are kind of just like the leading moments in the film Mm -hmm. with like references to like the eye gag, uh, like the punching through the zombie head, the eyes in Sakaki's hand and a few other moments that definitely reference versus, but like it's not really any like
1: true sequel really. Right. It's kind right. of just more a cast of reunion. Right. So it's not official. We don't count it. I still want to see it. Likewise. I would like to see it. You know, we're talking about the cast. Do you want me to cover some of the cast members and what they've yeah, also done? Yeah, feel free. So I'm going to start off with the obvious one, Tak Sakaguchi, who the played KSC 2-303. He also appeared in Alive, Battlefield Baseball. Godzilla, Final Wars, Shinobi, Heart Under Blade, cro High, the movie, Death Trance, Yo-Yo Girl Cop, Tokyo Gore Police, Mutant Girl Squad, Deadball, Yakuza Weapon, Sion Sono's Why Don't You Play in Hell,
2: <laughs> and
1: a cameo in Rise of the Machine Girls and appeared in Kamen Writer Kabuto. Yeah. He also was director for Yorio, Samurai Zombie, Mutant Girl Zombie, or Mutant Girl Squad, uh, as one of the uh, section directors, mm. and co directed Yakuza Weapon. He also was the fight choreographer for Godzilla Final Wars, <laughs> Death Trance, Rise of the Machine Girls, and Meatball Machine Kodoko. Ooh. Good to know. Hide- Hideo Sakai, who played the man, Sakaki. was us... Huh? Sakaki. Sakaki. Oops. Uh, who played the man was also in Alive, Ju-On the Grudge, Battlefield Baseball, Godzilla Final Wars, Ryue Kitamura's short horror movie, Longinus, and then he was also in Tokume Sentai Go Busters, the television show and the spin off movies. Oh. For your actress for the girl, Chiko Misaka, she was also in Sion Sono's Suicide Club. Kenji Matsuda, who played the Yakuza leader, was also in Alive. Common writer Hibeki, The Movies and the Television Show, Kamen Writer Kiva, The Movies and the Television Show. The short film Common Writer G, Kamen Writer Decade Plus the Movies, Garo Makai Senki, yes.
0: as well as Garo Garo Makai Resident.
1: Okay. Sharu Ken Sentai Nininger, Kamen Writer Zio, and Kishru Sentai Ryo Soldier yuchihiro arai who played the motorcycle riding yakuza was on alive as well minaru matsumoto the crazy yakuza was in kamen rider deno uh i'm born a uh, spin-off movie long genus godzilla final wars alive and was additional crew for down to hell kazuhito onba who played yakuza with glasses was also in godzilla final wars Longinus, Battlefield Baseball, Sky High, Alive, and was additional crew for Down to Hell. Takehiro Katayama, who played the red-haired assassin, was in Longinus, Alive, Sky High, and was in additional crew for Down to Hell. Ayumi Yoshihira, who played long-haired female assassin, was also in Alive. Shochihiro Matsumoto, who played the one-handed cop, was in Ichi. High, the movie. He was also the screenwriter for that film. Meatball Machine, and was the screenwriter for Moonlight Mask, the 2011 remake. As for your crew, you had director, co-writer, Ryuei Kitamura, who was directed and wrote Down to Hell. Sky High did the screenplay and directed Alive, was writer and director for Longinus, Longinus, Longinus. Did the screenplay and directed Godzilla Final Wars, and wrote and directed Lupin Third, and did the screenplay for Yoriyo samurai zombie co-writer slash action director yudai yamaguchi also wrote alive battlefield baseball meatball machine 10 nights of dreams the 10th night section co-directed yakuza weapon directed dead ball he was also editor on down to hell he wrote and co-directed yakuza weapon he also wrote Dead Ball in the spinoff movie. He directed the spinoff movie Final Dead Ball. He did ABCs of Death. J is for Jedi Geki. Um, it's also worthy to note that, if I remember correctly, Takashi Miike did the other ABCs of Death. Or no, was it Norio uh, Saruta? No, it was Nishimura. Oh, that's right. Yoshihiro Nishimura. Um, He also directed a movie called... Ruko Ruko, The Promise of the Witch, which came from the idea of Keita Anamiya. And it's like this compilation of different Japanese mythology stories mm. into one. And it looks amazing. And I would love for it to get released because it looks absolutely amazing.
0: Hey, I need more Keita Anamiya in my life, man. Need more
1: Garo. Need more something. I agree. Producer Keishiro Shin also was producer on Down to Hell, actor in Down to Hell, and assistant director on Down to Hell. Your cinematographer was Takumi Furuya, who did the cinematography for Godzilla Final Wars, Alive, Sky High, Lupin III. He also did the cinematography for Mega Monster Battle, Ultra Galaxy Legends, the movie. And your probably favorite uh, credit he has, ZVP.
0: <laughs> Zatoichi vs. Predator, really?
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. And finally, your composer, Nobuhiko Morone, Morino, Morino, also did the music for Down to Hell, Alive, Sky High, Longinus, Godzilla Final Wars, Yorio, Samurai Zombie, Yakuza Weapon, Dead Ball, the ABC's of Death, J's for Jedi Geki, and Roku Roku, The Promise of the Witch.
0: Mm. Before we move on, one thing I also wanted to mention is that apparently uh, apparently, Hideo Kojima, Metal, the creator of the Metal Gear Solid series, apparently he also appears somewhere in the movie as like one of the zombies, I believe. Oh. Yeah, and which is interesting when you consider that, you know, not only did he appear in apparently he appears in Kitamura's Azumi, but Kitamura would eventually a few years later go on to direct the cutscenes in in Metal Gear Solid Free. And would bring in the the main artist sort of behind the Metal Gear series onto Godzilla Final
1: Wars. Interesting. Was there anything else you wanted to, any other fun factoids or anything you wanted to bring up? No, I I think that looks like everything I've got, really. Everything interesting. All right. Does that mean we're on to the final part of this? Our ranking, perhaps? Outer ranking, you are correct. Huh. So, in dramatic fashion, I think we should start at the bottom of our list and make our way oh, to the going top. It's gonna be a
0: very shocking list, I can tell you that
1: much. <laughs> I'm car- I actually, I don't know what uh, I don't know what you're gonna put put. So, I feel like I feel like my list is pretty obvious. We'll see. I, I, I'm curious if ours will line up or not. Well, so I, I, at num- I feel like our bottom two will line up. I agree. I think those are going to stay the same. So, at number four, what do you have?
0: Stacy, attack of the schoolgirl zombies.
1: Me too. That movie's just really weird and awkward and kind of creepy. Yeah. And boring and yeah. nothing.
0: Like it, 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 it was boring enough. Like before talking to you about it, but then, then it just and weird enough, and then our conversation made me dislike it even more. <laughs> So yeah, that that one goes straight to the bottom.
1: Yeah. Number 3, I have junk. Same. Okay. I I think it's a fine it's
0: a fine and fun zombie film, but it it's kind of it doesn't really provide anything very fresh or new to the genre.
1: Right. If you're looking for a zombie movie, everything junk has versus does but better. Everything junk does you will you can find anywhere else. <laughs> right, because it's basically rip off the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, literally. And then number 2,
0: do I go first or do you? Oh, who 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 do you want to go
1: first?
2: Mm.
0: Fine. For number two, I've got One Cut of the Dead.
1: Okay, so this is where we do differentiate. I figured I I I had a feeling you would put one cut of the dead a bit above versus. I, I had a funny feeling. So I have versus. This was kind of difficult, but also not. Um see I didn't know which one you were gonna pick because I was like, is he gonna do it's 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 one of those things where it's like it's difficult, but it's not. I like.
0: I know where my heart is, and it's it, it's, it's going to be Versus for me, no matter what, mm-hmm. but I also do really like
1: One Cut of the Dead. Right, right. And see, I'm kind of the same way, right? Because Versus is great. I love Versus. I think Versus might be my favorite Kitamura movie. I see, don't know. it's not my
0: favorite... A more movie because there's there's no beating peak, uh, <laughs> but it's a ve- it, it, it's a it's a very good second place. Like if this is if this is second place, goddamn, this is I love this.
1: I love this. See, I <laughs> I, I, I just I don't know yet. I haven't I haven't been able to figure that out. But I love the style. I love the indie filmmaking aspects, and I love the heart. I love the in. cast as well. The cast is memorable. The cast is great. Like, if I had to summarize verses in one word, I'd say iconic. <laughs> I think it is iconic. Everything about it's iconic. It is unique or iconic. One of the two. Mm. I So I, for your number one... I definitely see this as
0: a... Even, even though it, you can argue it's a product of its time, it feels fresh it 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 helps that it came before like all the matrix style action was completely overdone um right and, and again it brought something new to zombies which this was like a few years before just like a few years before the zombie genre in the west uh saw a bit of its own reformation with you know Zack Snyder's uh, Dawn of the Dead's running zombies um, before you got movies like World War Z and uh, South Korea's Train to Busan. You know, mm-hmm.
1: no, that's 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 a good point. And even if it is a product of its time, I think it's one of those where it's like, yeah, but Frankenstein works. is a product of the 30s, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Nah. No. I or love like, that two thousand style. I love right. that. There's there's certain films that like they're staple like Godzilla or them, staples of nineteen fifties monster movies, each for their own reasons. Doesn't mean they're bad. Both are classics, both are great. Um Friday the thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh mm-hmm. you know Child's play, so- Terminator, Alien, Aliens. All of them are definitely like staples of their time, but they're timeless as well. Right. And I think versus is one of the rare occurrences where you have a film from Japan that definitely is up there to that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's great. But like for me, my number one is one cut of the dead. And I think that's because I love filmmaking so much being able to see all aspects of filmmaking in a movie makes it cool. Right. One of Cut of the Dead is probably one of my favorite films of all time, truth be told.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, honestly, I don't think either film is a
0: bad option for number one at all. I think both are great films, but
1: in very, very different ways. No, I agree. And, like, I'm more of a substance over style person. I like substance
0: in my movies. See, I like, I like movies to have substance. I've been, you know, kind of getting more into movies that are more for that, but also yeah, I, I love a good bit of fun every now and again, you know? I want to have right. fun every now and again. Sometimes you're just in the mood for a ridiculous over-the-top action film and i love versus for that versus and godzilla final wars scratch that itch completely
1: no i i and i that's perfectly fair that's perfectly fair i think versus again is a is a way better example of an entertainment movie than something like godzilla versus kong <laughs> yeah because that one sucks <laughs> And I just, I love the creative input. The creative mind behind Versus is flowing with, the, like, thoughts. It's great. It's a great movie to watch. It's a great movie to put on. People, you know, if you want to put it on and have some friends over and just enjoy it. Like, that's, you know, it's worth it. It's fun. Right. It's entertaining. Oh, this would be a great movie to put on with friends, honestly. <laughs> So I mean, I wouldn't say that either of these are bad options, right? Like I don't know. Both, are, out, both are good options just in out of different the, ways. Right, And out of the four movies we've covered, I'd say both are worthy of the number one spot. And I'd say out, out of like the films we've covered this
0: month, you know, if there's any two films to check out, if there's any film to check out, at
1: least make one of these two. Right. These are, these are, and I think, uh, Kevin Derendorf and I were talking and I said, like, these two are probably some of my favorites and he said they're the cream of the crop. Right. Yeah. But, like, for every one versus, there's, like, 50 Stacys. (laughs) I mean, there's Um, six, seven
0: Lost of the Dead films? Six. Yeah. Six.
1: And I can give you, I can list off every single Japanese zombie movie that I'm aware of, if you want me to.
0: Yeah, you could, but we don't need to now, do we?
1: This is true. Um, but no, like, th- these two are rare occurrences where they're fresh, they're new, they're semi original, and they're entertaining. And they have something to bring, right? Hmm. One Cut of the Dead is a look at filmmaking in general. Versus is a look of originality and desire it's about drive it's about power <laughs> Jesus Christ we stay hungry we devour put in the work put in the hours oh my god
0: alright this episode needs to end now just just
1: that ah, Jesus well Christ. I, I honestly hey. that's I got nothing else to say like <laughs> this is a very good movie highly recommend agreed
0: I, so, I, would, I would gladly watch this again.
1: There we go. And that's that's also worth it if it's got the rewatch value. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rex, do you want to join me in the most noblest of podcasting traditions? Oh, why, of course. Okay. Well, why don't you let the lovely listeners know where they can find you at?
0: Well, dear listeners, you can find me on YouTube, at Rex Zeno, on Twitter, at Rex underscore Zenomoth and on Instagram, rex underscore zeno. And if you want to check out some of my writing, go take a look at the Tokusatsu Network.
1: All right. As for me, hello, my name's Elijah. You can find me on YouTube at ET13Productions, on Twitter at ET13Productions, or on Instagram at ET13Productions. My Instagram's full of figure photography. My Twitter's full of opinions and news and all that good jazz. Opinions, and my YouTube- scary. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my YouTube's full of uh, videos I've done in the past, and it will be the home to all of my short films as I slowly upload them to that YouTube channel. You can also find my work on kaijuunited.com. I uh, recently published an article looking into the world of Takashi Yamazaki and what you can expect for Godzilla minus one, if that's something you're interested in. Besides that, I, I uh, contributed to a book Giant Bug Cinema, a Monster Kids guide you can purchase on Amazon, where I talk about the movie Ghidorah, the three headed monster. Outside of that, I also am a host of the Monsters with Attitude YouTube group, where we do monthly live streams talking about kaiju stuff. I also uh, am one of the people that will be contributing videos, maybe regularly. Um, by the time this episode's out, I have at least done an unboxing video covering the Gorgo 4K released by Vinegar Syndrome. If that's something you are interested in, I edited and filmed some of that and wrote some of that uh, unboxing video. So I also did the intro and outro for the YouTube channel, which is pretty cool. So I do all of that. Um, and I want to say that's that's about all I do now. Working on some other stuff that hopefully I can talk about sooner rather than later. Um, but outside of that... We do have some uh some housekeeping we have to do. Housekeeping. Yes. So we were graciously gifted with two reviews on our Apple Podcasts. As a reminder for anyone, you can leave us a re- review. Hopefully it's five stars, please. Um on our pod uh, Apple podcast, you don't need an Apple device, you just need to like log in, which you can make an account within 2 minutes. Um, You just go to uh, podcast.apple.com or just look up Kaiju Conversation on uh, Kaiju Conversation, Apple Podcasts on Google, and you can find the link and you can go leave a five-star rating. Um, We have two here, so I'm going to read them out here. We have one from Mr. Frankie B. Washington titled Kaiju, Cowboys, and Indie Comic Creators, and this is his review. With a thunderous stomp, we have landed with many others. Exposed at a young age to giant lizards and metallic flying aliens from space. The Showa era helped to elevate imagination and gave passion to our pursuit to be part of legacies. Me and Matthew Blair now stand at the precipice of a revolution going on in the independent comic book arena. Kaiju stories are being read and accepted by some, even though the characters are infant IPs. Even with the sign, we dwell in the shadows of others who stand miles high. It is only when brave, like Kaiju Conversation, shine the spotlight on creators like us that we truly gain stares from the curious readers willing to risk it all on our comic book. Kaiju Conversation is a staple in the community that continues to be a beacon for those who are driven to illustrate these strange beasts. It's a really well written a review. (laughs) So thank you, Mr. Frankie B for that five star review. Thank you. Um, If you want to check out, we did an interview with them covering issue two of Kaiju and Cowboys, their comic book series. They are doing, Uh, you can find that on the YouTube channel at this point or on our podcast feed. Just look back a few episodes. It'll be there. We also have a five star review from Zeroa SD titled, informative and fun and the review says every episode i've watched has taught me something new about the kaiju flick they covering even if it's one i know well good stuff i recommend it to fellow kaiju fans so thank you guys so much it's really appreciated um i i'm honored that we can we can help inform and and continue to bring love to this to the kaiju genre, to the tokusatsu genre, to the giant monster genre, J-horror, Japanese cinema. That's... We, we love this stuff. We love this stuff. <laughs> I mean, we're both learning Japanese now, so... Right. Um. Ho- hopefully, this, hopefully it'll... Hopefully we'll be successful. Fingers crossed. Hopefully. um, This stuff, like, we, we eat, breathe, and sleep this... Um, so hearing stuff like that, it makes us feel good. Um, I, 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 I think I speak for both of us when I say we really appreciate it. We really, really appreciate it. I don't, we can't, I can't articulate the words for how much I appreciate it. Well, don't forget to write us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you If you want to follow what Frankie B and Zeroa did and leave us a five-star rating, that's highly appreciated. Let us know what you guys think. Again, we appreciate it so much. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I do actually. That's a lie. I should change the script. Yeah, Um, you haven't changed
0: it in like a year?
1: Yeah. I I use the Mac to do this podcast. Yeah, That's I totally cool. do. Yeah, but I'm you can cool. also rate us on Spotify. That's something new you can do um, if you want to. Or you could leave us a rating on Spotify and Apple if you want to. Um, If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, you can follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook at the same handles. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you. You can email us at KaijuConversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear just like those two. We also have a Teespring store. Eventually, we're going to have original artwork on there. But until then, you can sport an awesome logo on a t-shirt or maybe even on a coffee mug. If you'd like to chat with us, check out our Discord server full of others that have similar interests to you. Recently, there was a conversation in our general one chat about the recently revealed Godzilla X Kong the New Empire banners which utilize a ye- couple of year old renders of Godzilla and uh I mean the the Kong render looks new I think the Kong renders new but it's a great community full of great people highly recommend don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video we sometimes post exclusive to the channel like bloopers for episodes or mini minisodes talking about news or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Krzyzewski on the channel and the upcoming kaiju film. We have the director, Andrew L. Phillips, on there talking about his movie, Kaiju Island of Fire. Exclusive information and some cool looks if you go check out the YouTube version. There's also a version that probably is on our uh, podcast feed by now if you want to check that out highly recommended definitely keep an eye out on that project i'm sorry to jared for butchering his name i definitely did i'm so sorry and a huge (laughs) thanks to rex for editing all of these episodes and all the other content we upload his links can be found in the description below along with rex we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to danny demana of the godzilla novelization project for his amazing vocals on our theme song, you can support him by following him on Twitter at Danzilla93GNP underscore or visit his website, GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. And a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at Giant Monster BS or on any podcast platform under the name Giant Monster BS. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. This is the end of Zombie Month. We have gone through another month of this year. It has been great. We are entering into the November month. So stay tuned. We got a lot of exciting stuff. Godzilla Minus One, end of the year, all that stuff. Stay tuned. There's plenty more to come. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. not talk big now, baby.
0: Conversation. Conversation. His name's Elijah, baby. And also Rex now, baby. Was Kaiju baby and you will too now